0: Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's films are Motel Hell and Eaten Alive. Please remember when coming to the drive-in, it is not a motel and not a place to be eaten alive. Unless you want to get punished. For more info, check out The Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at in pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at The Drive-In will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling.
1: Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in
2: theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols, which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted.
3: All right, Noah, ask your question again now that we're recording. Who, who
4: is the best Muppet?
3: now are we talking just from the Muppet Show or overall uh, we will say Muppet Show okay
2: hmm.
3: but I've got it down to two I don't know how to decide between animal and Gonzo It's a good solid answer
1: hmm, hmm. I don't know
2: I was always kind of a scooter fan.
3: <laughs> who the who the fuck is
2: a scooter fan? <laughs> well, when I was younger,
3: I was a big scooter fan.
4: Really? Yeah. I just I feel like like scooters scooters good and all, but I just I couldn't imagine anybody being like, yeah, scooter, that's my jam.
3: It's because he was nerdy, fan. but he didn't know he was nerdy, so we could all relate to him.
2: And that's I feel like gonna... he has an intriguing past. He he has an identical twin sister that just disappeared after they were kids. It's true.
4: I've I've always assumed that she was eaten by the big hairy monster muppet. I can't remember what his name is. Sweetums? Is that Sweetums? Yeah. See, I've oh. got a, I've, I've got a really weird three way tie. Because I really like Sam Eagle for some reason. <laughs> and I, I really like The Sweetest Chef. And then I really like, uh, I always forget their names, but the two old bitchy guys that just make fun of the show.
2: Yeah. Ellen Waldorf? Yeah. The I don't f- really
3: consider them Muppets, though. I don't, They're not part of, part of the show to me, because they sit off to the side and make fun of the show. So they're more uh-huh. like... They're more like the us of the show.
4: Are you saying in a weird metacontextual contextual way that they are not, in fact, part of the theoretical show that exists within the show? That's what I'm saying, yes. I accept that, because that is some that is some nerd-on-the-edge <laughs> shit right there.
1: <sighs> Jesus.
2: Favorite Fraggle? Ooh.
4: Uh, what was the the blonde one with the newsboy cap? Boober, yeah, the one that was constantly eating all the dozer shit and just didn't give no fuck.
2: I don't think he was blonde though; he had red hair. Was it? Maybe,
4: maybe I am like blending them together in my head or something. I could swear there was, was
2: Wembley who was like the like the greenish,
3: yeah, the crazy one
4: with the big eyes.
3: Yeah, I think that's the one I liked when I was a kid. Was Wembley? It's been a long time since I got to watch Fraggle Rock though.
4: I actually it was on demand on Comcast back in the day for some fucking reason I was <laughs> like,
1: well I'm
3: watching all this fucking fraggle shit yeah if I was on demand right now I'd probably be watching it I'd have it on silent while we were recording this so
1: <laughs> it's good that
3: it's not available immediately to me
2: we actually have uh, I think the first three seasons on DVD oh really? Me at the bottom when they came out because the Fraggle Rock was one of her favorite shows, like, ever.
4: In the uh, in the very first episode of Fraggle Rock, there's a scene where uh, one of them grabs the other one's tail. And I'm trying to, I think it's the guy with the Wembley who gets his tail touched. And he's, he screams something about touching someone's tail is bad luck. And then he screams, don't you know you'll bring death and pestilence down on us? And so for some reason in my head I was like, you know what? This is one of the things. This is one of the shows that contributed
3: to who I am, deep down inside. It definitely explains why that one was my favorite. He yelled that.
2: <laughs> Good lord.
1: It's time to leave my head. It's uh, <laughs> late. Alright. Man, 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 on the Muppet Show tonight.
3: Jesus. All right, I'm the one that's insisting we do a Jim Henson episode, and I still don't support this singing.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, I already added it. It's on the list. That is a, the prime example of me getting suckered in by marketing. I went into a Walmart and I was like, "Labyrinth and the Dark Crystal for ten bucks. I gotta get that." And I get it home, and I open it up, and it's just the two Blu-rays wrapped in a piece of cardboard. And I'm like, oh, if these had been five bucks each, I'm not sure I would have bought them. But
2: two for
1: ten, I definitely <laughs> did them. <laughs> you, you fooled me!
4: I've got the, uh, the, the, whatever it is, the 30th special anniversary Blu-ray of the Dark Crystal. I don't think I actually
3: have Labyrinth for some reason.
2: Yeah, I have an older DVD copy.
3: I haven't seen either movie since probably the eighties, so
2: that's me too.
3: I think I'll be in for a happy treat because I assume they'll.
1: I
2: may,
3: I may watch them
4: semi often. (laughs) Is there
3: anything you don't watch semi often? (laughs) Not,
4: I'm I'm saying not not every year, but at least every other year. All right. Typically, mm-hmm. Dark Crystal, just because I want to watch it, and I've got it, and then Labyrinth, typically because it'll pop up on some random thing, and if I see it, I'm going to watch it.
3: <laughs> I mean, that's solid logic. I can't argue with it.
2: Yeah, it's
4: it's fucking awesome. They're just—I <laughs> mean, we'll review them on a show, but spoiler alert: they're they're fucking amazing.
1: <laughs> so.
2: <laughs> so we do know Noah has that condition where he has to watch everything. If he watches one of them, he has to watch like all of them. So. At least there's
4: no sequence to it. Like, like there's weird loose associations I can get into, but then I'm like looking for movies, so it doesn't work out that well. <laughs> I will say I I can't watch any of the Muppets movies because I do have that problem where like I want to watch all the Muppets movies, <laughs> and <laughs> I don't own all the Muppets movies, and they're actually not super easy just to like snatch offline or something. <laughs> because they're a fairly protected IP, which means I would have to buy all of them.
2: By the overlord of Disney. Yeah.
4: yeah bastards. Release the Muppets Christmas special.
3: Mm-hmm. Fucking pieces of shit. That, that one's was that not on you that one's on
2: YouTube, I thought. Uh we had this discussion. Oh. It was uh he's talking about a different one. And I sent a link to the Muppets Christmas, uh, family Christmas where they're at the farm or
1: whatever. Yeah,
2: And all the Sesame Street people are there and the Fraggles. And then Noah's talking about something else because he's Noah.
1: That was
3: back when Sesame Street was cool. The pre-Elmo days. <laughs>
2: uh, fucking Elmo. Elmo. Back
4: whenever... There was just an ambiguously gay couple,
2: and
3: I don't see how they were gay because they slept in different beds.
4: Well, feel it like was well people. back in nineteen fifties TV shows, husbands <laughs> and wives slept in separate beds. Yeah, I don't know. So I'm saying in the early days, Bert and Ernie, clearly gay couple.
1: <laughs>
4: I think clearly
3: is a strong word.
4: Uh, It's pretty clearly. Or at least, uh, Ernie's really into Bert, and Bert just doesn't fucking get it.
1: (laughs) Mm. Hey,
2: Uh, hey Bert. Those those thoughts on game Muppets.
4: Hey, hey Bert. Want me to pound your stuff in, Bert?
1: Jesus. (laughs) All right. (laughs) What was the topic? Uh creepy
4: Game motels creepy motels that aren't psycho.
3: One of them tries to be a little bit Oh yeah.
2: Alright. Hold on, I was looking at something. It actually
4: after I watched one of them, the uh the movie at Force started after that was actually Psycho 2. No. Nice. Mm. And if I hadn't have already been like planning on going to do something else, I was like, oh I'm gonna watch this pile of shit. <laughs> <It's>
2: <laughs> no love for Psycho Two? Uh
4: I like it in the bad movie way.
3: But it's not a good movie. I don't know if it's I don't think it's a terrible movie. I'd have to rewatch it in order to mean... discuss it intelligently.
4: I was getting ready to say, when was the last time you watched it? Because it's it's weird, the weird movie. Mm. Well,
3: weird isn't automatically bad, though. Uh
4: I I would say weird in the fact
3: that like
4: it it's not a very good sequel. In in the fact that it almost glosses over Norman Bates, kind of. It's really weird.
2: Well, looks like we're doing Psycho 2 at some point.
4: We can do all the Psycho movies if you guys want. I don't give a shit.
2: (laughs) So, Noah, do you have something you'd like to share with the rest of the class?
4: Ooh, I got a job. I'm no longer unemployed.
3: The second segment of the show where we discuss what we've been watching just got a lot shorter. (laughs) (laughs) I think you
4: underestimate my power, sir.
2: I was going to say the movie pass stock just took a plummet today.
4: (laughs) They probably did. They're like, no! (laughs) Uh, A fucking
1: billboard.
4: Never again.
2: You can stop getting mad at my $8 Blu ray purchases. That's
4: right, because now I can make $8 Blu ray purchases.
3: (laughs) Fucking bunch of show offs.
2: Well, you can buy it for $8, too.
3: I might yeah, have to. $8 Canadian.
2: Yeah, you probably got to pay duty on it. And
3: yeah. This
2: will be like a $20 Blu-ray.
3: Might
4: have to sneak in on that sweet, sweet, your special edition action. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs>
1: well,
2: all right. So, yeah, we're talking about weird motels this week. Um, Why? Because we want to. Um,
3: I, I like how you, every week you look for a reason why and there never has <laughs> been one no, yet. No. no we don't, never we don't have a reason.
2: Just, yeah. It is what it is. Um, I think
3: this was one
4: of the ones that just got blurted out in casual conversation.
2: Probably. <laughs> that somebody
4: was like, We could do Motel Hell. What would we pair it with? Eating alive. Sold. Put it on the
2: list. I think this is another Doug Bottom and never watched him segment of the show.
3: You know, I'd never seen Motel Hell, and I'd only watched Eaten Alive once. So much so that when I went to get it from my shelf, I forgot that my DVD copy, it's called Death Trap. And, oh. so, and so in the uh, alphabet, alphabetized DVD room that I have, it took me a long time to find it because I was like looking through the E's over and over again, all confused.
2: <laughs> I know it's here. That's
4: why, that's why you always alphabetize them by the more popular titles.
3: Well I used the title that's written on the box. I thought that was a safe way to go at the time.
4: You were wrong. Post-it
3: note. (laughs) Post it note. (laughs) Fix it. Put it in the right spot. Almost that's almost a good idea.
2: You could have just went online and printed off the DVD cover and just swapped them out.
4: Yeah. Brian's all high tech and shit.
2: No, I would never do that. Uh yeah. So uh which one do we want to cover first? Uh, All right. uh Noah. I guess. What'd you tell us, about, guess, you I, tell I, us guess, about eating alive? Who? Me? Mm-hmm. Uh, so
4: uh betwixt a bunch of rapey things that happen, <laughs> uh a Creepy weirdo guy who owns a really shitty motel, uh, along with exotic animals such as a African crocodile and a monkey. In end of exotic animals,
3: apparently <laughs> uh, he, appar- doesn't, he uh, doesn't know uh, either one of those things by the end of the movie. Minor spoiler. Yeah, uh,
4: <laughs> apparently. I, I, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be he's been murdering people for a while or if he's just weird and at the beginning of the movie he kind of snaps. But he snaps and kills a lady uh, and feeds her to his crocodile, followed by people starting to show up, and basically shit just gets really out of hand for this guy. Uh, It is like a
3: Coen Brothers movie, eh, where things just pile up one on top of another.
4: Yeah, uh, basically the the father and sister of the girl he murdered show up looking for her. A couple of kingsters show up to, to get their whip on. <laughs> um, so weird. A, another family with a dad who, what the fuck is going on with him? Is he on drugs? I don't to know. be
3: discussed in detail, yeah.
4: like that's my that was my assumption
3: but they never really i don't think they ever
4: say exactly what's going on but he's clearly losing his fucking mind
3: yeah the scene where the family is in the hotel room together and he has his breakdown whatever causes it is so fucking bizarre yeah it's like if he's on acid this makes a little bit of sense but they should have shown a scene of him taking acid or something, because he's yelling about stuff that has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. Yeah, shit. <laughs> yeah,
4: it's real weird.
3: I'm like, I uh, understand he's sad because his dog got eaten by a crocodile, but... It's a really cute dog, too. Not really. That's but, the saddest part of the whole movie. <laughs> oh, fuck that dog. It was a little yippy thing. It would have been barking <laughs> throughout the whole movie if that thing didn't eat it. I'm glad it got eaten. But... Ouch. It's like, he's having that breakdown, and it's like, I don't... Is he? Is this just a scene from another movie? And they just all oh, that actor had a great breakdown in that other movie, and just we'll just stick it in this one. It's fine because <laughs> I have no idea what he was going on and on about. Uh,
4: but basically, weirdo weirdo guy kills weirdo dad and feeds him to the crocodile, <laughs> and then attempts to murder the wife, but gets distracted and decides just to tie her up to a bed for a while. And then uh you know what, the kingsters are from the other movie. I got the plot lines crossed there.
2: You did. And I, did. I didn't I didn't even notice, so yeah,
3: well, yeah, no, I just yeah. thought you were using the wrong terminology to describe Robert England and his potentially underage girlfriend.
2: Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. The no, that's just more rapiness.
3: This movie's got a lot of rape stuff going on.
4: But it does. Uh, the, the rest of the film is a combination of this guy having intermittent freakouts, killing people, and chasing an obnoxious, screaming girl who I hate with the fury of a thousand suns. It, it affected my enjoyment of the movie. I hate that little girl and all I wanted is that fucking crocodile to eat her, and it doesn't eat her! It's bullshit! <laughs>
1: Yeah. Alright
2: So oh. Doug, how did you feel about the movie?
1: Um,
3: well, I didn't get as upset As that about anything that happened in the movie I'll tell you that much <laughs> um, I think it's pretty obvious what happened here Is that like, Toby is trying to recapture The magic of Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, The thing about magic is You can't really recreate it Because it's magic So you end up with a bit of a jumbled mess of a movie that it's not bad. It's just, I think when people hear the names involved, they see Robert England, they see Toby, they're expecting more. So I think this movie has, uh, it's fine. Do you think
4: think that's what he was trying to do? Yeah. Because I feel like this, this movie is way more Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 than... Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's almost like he went the exact opposite direction with everything he did in Texas Chainsaw Massacre in this
3: movie. Well, I mean, the plots are almost the same. The, I think he's still trying to recreate that weird atmosphere that exists in Texas Chainsaw that is, I think, almost accidental in that movie. That I think it's just the bizarreness of Texas Chainsaw Massacre with the, the weirdos and the—I think he's just trying to—he's also trying to have like crazy people in this movie, and he's trying to have weird cutaways to rats running around the bottom of the hotel and all that kind of stuff, and trying to recreate that. Okay, it's, I, I, that's what I felt anyway.
4: I can I can accept that argument. I just think that this this movie is almost the exact opposite in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, in which the brilliance of Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the fact that it doesn't show you anything. Mm -hmm. Like, it it takes you right to the point and then kind of forces you to imagine what happened. And this one shows you for a thing.
3: Yeah, and I think that is maybe because he was getting a little... uh, I don't know that... Again, I, I, I think a lot of what happened on Texas Chainsaw Massacre is accidental. I think that that movie could have been a hot mess and it just turned out to be something great mostly by coincidence Um, so I look at this and go yeah here he's showing more a lot more and it's like he doesn't understand that that crocodile is not going to be very intimidating once we start seeing a fake crocodile chewing on people
4: that foam crocodile is the best part of the whole fucking movie
3: I mean again I'll I'll completely forgive the special effects because this is from 76 it's what they had to work with back then in a low budget film It, it isn't terrible it's just it, the movie could have been a lot more effective on a scare level if you kind of kept that crocodile more under the water and they chose not
1: to yeah mm-hmm. I, accept, I accept that
2: yeah I, I, I mean every interview with Toby Hooper he always said that he always thought Texas Chainsaw Massacre was like a dark comedy and nobody else seemed to see it that way Right, so I feel like he was trying to do that again with this, but maybe a little bit more overt
1: it's with the comedy loud. aspect of it.
2: Yeah, but yeah, yeah I,
3: you know, I can see that argument that maybe he's just trying to like make everyone see this movie the way he saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
2: Yeah,
3: maybe he feels that by showing the crocodile rather than cutting away, because people think Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like one of the goriest movies ever made. it, it isn't. Mm-hmm nowhere. I'm not saying anything new here. A lot of people have said it, but yeah. you watch the movie. It, it isn't that gory. It's just the atmosphere that's created. You insert that gore automatically. Everybody does that watches the movie. So it, there must be something that works on a mass psychological level. But this movie, I think he's trying to avoid that by showing the crocodile and it makes it less effective in my mind.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: Yeah, if, if we're happening to draw a direct comparison between Texas Chainsaw Massacre and this movie, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a masterpiece if not an entirely intentional masterpiece and this is a piece. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, that, that being said, with the exception of the little girl who
2: starts uh, this high years li- two years later would go on to be the girl that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's friend Annie is babysitting on Halloween. Oh, no
4: oh shit. really? I didn't notice I didn't that. that. Yeah. But yeah. she starts screaming when that dog dies, and I'm pretty sure she screams at the top of her shrill little nightmare lungs for the rest of the movie. Like, non-stop, breath for breath, every exhalation a high-pitched wailing scream, which
3: is awful. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're not wrong in your description. Uh, She's crawling around underneath the hotel, trapped under there for most of the movie. (laughs) And it's a bit maybe overdone.
4: Oh, my God. It's it's ridiculous. My dog died. Scream. My mom's angry. Scream. My dad's angry. Scream. My mom and my dad are talking nicely to each other. Scream. Run out of the house. Scream. Under the house. Scream. Crocodile. Scream. Rat. Scream. Another rat. Scream. A thousand rats. A thousand screams.
2: You should try listening to it with headphones on.
4: Ugh. That sounds bad.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I watched it at work today, which is why my, uh, my message to you guys being uh this is a lot more rapey than i remember
3: oh why just because yeah. it opens with an attempted rape yeah we, just opens with about... freddie krueger trying to forcibly have <laughs> yeah. anal sex with a hooker yeah that's what i was you were anticipating. Saying. that should we talk about
4: the weird subplot of the uh <laughs> robert was, england won the fuck, fuck ladies yeah, of, in the butt yeah of him to, forcibly of him wanting to forcibly insert himself into the anuses of prostitutes and or bars.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird because it's like it literally is the opening credits sequence of this movie. Yeah. Is like it's like it's showing like starring and it's giving you the list of names and then it cuts to Robert England trying to force this girl to have anal sex. And then it's like, and then it's like, after she like gets up and screams and runs out of the room, it's like associate producer. And it's still, the credits are still rolling, and I'm like, that is an awkward choice. I'm surprised they went that way.
4: Well, and the fact that they kept coming back to it, I kind of figured that was going to be like a weird setup to to his character dying by getting like cornholed with the scythe or something. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I mean,
4: but. Before- but there's no payoff like that so it was I don't know I just don't it, that was a weirdly specific thing to keep calling back to
3: well I mean yes the opening scene is obviously designed to set up the prostitute as our main character because after dealing with Buck I think his name is he's uh,
2: <laughs> raring to fuck
3: Yeah, his name is Buck he's raring to fuck
2: now we know where Quentin Tarantino stole that from <laughs>
3: so but after that the, the prostitute that's when she's like fuck this i'm done and she leaves and she makes her way down to the hotel and this is where we get our you know psycho twist of she gets killed and then her family shows up
2: looking for her not just killed but like the guy's just like all of a sudden just like yeah so these are the rooms here ah fuck it i'm gonna grab your movies and just start throwing you around and it's like what the fuck is going on
3: it's quite literally like he has a freak out moment because he finds out that she is, I guess, a former prostitute, yeah. but it, it doesn't really make any sense because no. why does that bother him so much? And I, it's never explained. I don't know that it it's ever going to make sense, but except for we took this plot from psycho and inserted it into our movie, <laughs> um, you know, which is fine. Like, That's whatever. We'll call it an homage, not a ripoff, because as well give them the benefit of the doubt. But I think it kind of works in this movie. I think you kind of do expect her to be your main character for that first whatever fifteen minutes until she's disposed of. And then I like the fact that we just immediately get her being thrown to the crocodile. Like it's just (laughs) let's not let's not you know beat around the bush here. We're
2: just we're not going to dwell on it.
3: I kill people and then I feed them to my crocodile. And the crocodile never gets full and he just hangs out here.
2: That is an angry-ass
3: crocodile.
2: Yeah, He's from Africa. I don't know if you know that.
3: <laughs> they bring it up a lot. They're the most dangerous ones. Well, you know, the ironic thing is that I think alligators only like eat stuff that's small, small enough for them to swallow like whole. So they actually probably had to write in that it's a crocodile just because crocodiles, I think, do eat bigger things. So that's that's my like useless knowledge that was in my head that goes, oh, that's why they did that little plot twist. <laughs> so maybe this movie was all about an alligator and somebody just like tapped the writer on the shoulder the last minute and went, ah, alligators don't do that.
2: He's a crocodile. Got him from Africa. Help himself. Let's put a monkey on the set. It'll explain everything.
3: <laughs> that poor monkey just dies halfway through the movie, too, and I'm not sure why. Just, I feel like they were just filming a movie and the monkey they had borrowed just died and they're just like, ah, oh, will write it into the script. It'd be fine. Have the little girl ad lib something about the monkey being dead.
2: And scream about it so no one will love it.
3: Yeah. Ugh. She freaks <laughs> out when that monkey dies. If you already don't like her, you gotta you've gotta be rooting for her to go to the crocodile after the monkey dies.
2: Uh since we were sort of talking about Robert England. So, like we mentioned, he tries to have butt sex with the prostitute. She says no. The madam of the brothel tells him to go downstairs and pick any two prostitutes that he wants. No extra charge. And then apparently later the same night. It. Oh, he does. And then later the same night, he's at a bar and picks up some chick there. Yeah. And I don't know, does he not have a house that he lives in? Because then they go down the street to the motel to rent a room. Or does he just not want this chick to know where he lives?
3: I don't think he... I think he might be putting a little more thought into that particular plot point than anybody else ever has.
2: No, I'm, just, I'm just wondering, like, what, what's the... like?
3: No, you're you're right. Need some, sort of,
2: some sort of motivation to get into the motel. It just doesn't make any sense.
3: You're, you're correct. This is a, uh, a plot fail in the film because he's a regular at the whorehouse and he's a regular at the bar and the sheriff knows who he is. So he's clearly a local. He clearly lives in the area. Why would they be checking into the hotel? That doesn't make any sense. No. Unless we're to assume that, like, Buck is not the most responsible of people and maybe still lives with his parents or something.
2: Oh, there you go.
3: But See, he has he money for a hotel, them. so. Yeah. Why
2: well, does he have to pay rent? That's,
3: I, they don't get into what he does for a living, so it's hard to estimate what his salary would have been.
2: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he looks like the type of guy that... uh Goes around and cleans roadkill up off the uh, freeway.
3: Yeah, well, that's just what Robert England looked like back then. I don't think there's any makeup on him for this movie. It's like, show up looking like what you do. All right.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, uh, Noah, goddamn it. <laughs> don't be sending those Uncle Uncle Buck pictures and say, I'm Uncle Buck and I'm ready to fuck. That just ruins the flow of the show. <laughs>
3: I was wondering why you got so quiet and then I saw the little thing pop up Noah has sent a picture and I'm like I'm not checking that <laughs> I don't trust that motherfucker you especially you know, when he's in this good a mood you are wise
2: it literally is just a picture of Uncle Buck there's like nothing sordid about it but then he puts the I'm Buck and I'm raring to fuck right above it
1: and you know
3: but that doesn't even make any sense because if you've seen Uncle Buck recently, you'll remember that there is a scene in that movie where he's adamantly against people fucking, storms right into that party to break it up. So, shut up! It's a sweet name pun.
4: <laughs> <sighs> um. All right. I don't know. I would. I would say as as far as like a grindhouse drive through movie, man, this would have been fucking fun to see because it really is fun dis- despite the nails on the chalkboard esque screams of that child mm. although I will say this, this film literally if I was giving this a, a uh, report card scale type greeting that little girl screaming and then not dying drops this a full letter grade in my book if ever there has been a character in a horror movie that deserved to die it's that little girl
3: <laughs> you have a lot of emotional problems but uh
2: <laughs> this is why Noah should never reproduce
3: yeah. no I, I, I do agree Not as long the- as I got that pet crocodile in the backyard <laughs> <laughs> I do agree with the first thing you said, which is that this would be like a fun movie to go into just blind at like a drive-in because it's because nothing is it it is like one of the 80s slashers before the formula was really established, so they were still trying to have a little bit of plot in there and stuff, and they were still trying to have like they were having everybody come to the killer instead of the killer track the people down or whatever but it's pretty close to a slasher and that would be fun to just stumble into I think this movie, for me the first time I saw it this is only the second time I've ever seen it and I went into it with like high hopes because I saw the names associated with it and I'd heard good things about it and it's like okay I was pretty disappointed. Watching it now with much lower expectations I think I'm like yeah this is just a fun movie to watch it's about a guy that just runs a hotel and throws people off the back balcony to his pet crocodile that's good enough Like that's that's a good enough plot for me most of the acting is fine for you know grindhouse cinema. Most of the kill scenes are fun to watch, even if they're not greatly executed. Yeah,
4: yeah, exactly. They're they're fun, if not if not uh, accurate. If that makes yeah. sense.
3: Well, no, nothing about this movie is accurate.
4: I mean, yeah. And there's there's tits in the movie, and it's you know. it's the right amount of tits for what this movie is like they don't wear out their welcome it doesn't hit that point where you're like jesus fucking christ quit! like you don't calm down andy Sidaris. we don't need another nipple in this scene
3: well i'll even say this like not that i was planning to bring up the tits but since that's what we're talking about now um <laughs> it happened later in the movie and i find it's like yeah like at that point in the movie a certain portion of the audience is going to be kind of their mind is going to be wandering. Well, that'll draw you back in, right? The, the same type of people who are getting a little bored at that point will start watching closer if you throw some pits on the screen. So I think it works on that level. Uh, adds a, a layer of fun to the people who don't enjoy watching the crocodile scenes as much.
4: <laughs> like I said, that, that foam crocodile is amazing. The, the scene where it's chasing the little girl and you actually see it's run run, and you see its little foam legs just jiggle as it's being thrust forward on a pole. <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a problem. Oh my god, it's fantastic. That's that's the type of bad that it's bad in just the right way to almost make it better.
3: I do like that they cut to some scenes of like the water where there's clearly like a real alligator or crocodile in there, and it's like it doesn't look even remotely like the one that they're using in the close-up shots. So it's like, that's that's really obviously fake at this point.
4: Uh, apparently, if you watch this in a higher quality than I did, because I watched a, a really bad rip of it, there is a scene where, I think it's when Buck gets fed to the crocodiles, but if you pay attention to the water, you can actually see one of the uh, safety team scuba divers <laughs> Under the water, yeah, under the water right next to
3: him. I'll tell you, I have the official DVD release of this, and it is apparently, it looks to me like it's a VHS rip. So Somebody just stuck on DVD and sold to me. So, I don't know how many people are going to be watching this in high enough definition to see that diver.
2: I don't know if there's a a Blu-ray. I don't know if there is or not.
3: I think, I believe that I've seen is available or at least a DVD where they call it "Eaten
1: Alive
4: <laughs> I was going to say and then the question is if there is a Blu-ray is it actually a good Blu-ray or once again is it the same janky rip just put onto a Blu-ray
2: um, let's see uh, looks like Arrow put one out Arrow's usually pretty good about cleaning oh, yeah. up. So.
4: I was going to say if Arrow did it it's probably a good one
3: I don't know that this film would benefit from no. h- higher quality. I feel no. like this. You want to watch this? Like the ideal thing would be to watch this in like an old, crappy theater. Yes. Like where this, the seats don't really work that well, and the floor is all sticky, and the projection has to like be changed over halfway through the movie, and they forget to do it, so the movie stops for a minute and comes back on. <laughs> like that's yeah. that's the ideal way to watch this
2: movie. And it, it needs to be a high beat death. up. It needs to be a beat up thirty five millimeter print too.
3: That'd be ideal. Oh,
4: yeah, yeah. I hope this sounds so good.
2: The uh, the Arrow Blu Ray has a a documentary or a featurette on it called "My Name Is Buck," an archive interview with star Robert Englund.
1: <laughs>
2: Sold. it's uh, funny. The,
3: D- the DVD that I have comes with scene selections.
1: And the original Ooh. theatrical
3: trailer. Whoa. So,
1: <laughs>
3: I'm not trying to brag or anything. I, I will
4: say I did end up being very disappointed because whenever you start off with Robert England, I feel like that's a promise you're making to me. That Robert England is a major part of this movie. Mm-hmm. And he is not.
2: Yeah, when you sent that, you're like, I didn't know we were watching a Robert England movie. I was like, Oh he's gonna go away for a little while, so we shouldn't get too excited. <laughs> But I didn't want to crush your dream, so I didn't say nothing.
4: It's all right. I do think I think this in this movie also has a little bit of unnecessary filler. Like there's that whole long scene at the bar that basically serves no purpose other than to explain why Buck has this other girl and is going to the motel,
1: <laughs>
4: in which we've already established who the character of Buck is. He could have just shown up at the hotel with some random skank <laughs> and that would have been perfectly in character from what we saw earlier
3: I love the level of thought we're putting into this movie there's a bar scene probably because they knew the guy that ran the bar and he let them film there for a night that's the way I feel
1: <laughs> it's
3: like there isn't, there isn't a purpose to that scene You're not you're not wrong but I just think that sometimes movies got to get to 90 minutes man you got to do something you already got all these actors on set you might as well make two of them talk to each other for a few minutes
4: i wonder if, i wonder if it was the fact that Ethan toby hooper was sitting there and he thought for a minute and he goes you know what we probably need to break up this little girl screaming because i bet a few people in the audience are going to be losing their fucking minds at this point from that little girl's nonstop." Full lung screaming.
3: The best part of that little girl screaming is that every character in the movie has a scene where they hear her screaming, and then they're like, "Where's that coming from?" And then they kind of just give up and don't go looking for.
2: Her. Yeah, <laughs> not worth it. I do. Let's
4: the... go ahead. I, I was going to say I do you also like the fact that uh, our killer, in which what's what's his name again?
2: Janus, Janus,
4: Janus—is
2: that
4: Jed, right? Jed, 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 something. I think it's Jed. It, is it Jed? Yeah. I think so, but uh, for for being a a slasher killer esque character, man, he is not
3: very fucking good at killing people.
4: <laughs> well, I think He's that's leg, no? he has he has a hard go of it.
3: Well, I think that goes back to the question we had at the beginning of the movie. Like, has he been killing people for a while or did this just start? Like, did he just snap and kill that one girl? Because I, I sort of feel like that's what they were going for. Is that he snapped, killed that one girl, and things just spiraled out of control. And he obviously doesn't mind killing, but I'm not sure if he intentionally was killing people prior to this.
4: And he's trying to use a scythe, which is just really, that is an unwieldy killing instrument.
3: Well, I'll take that a step further, and I'll ask you the question. Why does he have a scythe? He doesn't live on a farm. He lives in a swamp.
4: Maybe what is he, that thing
3: useful for in the swamp? Maybe he goes rice in the swamp. Yeah, Doug. No, because the part of the that, that he keeps his crocodile, and he, he clearly cannot go in with the crocodile, because when he does, it eats him. No. As, Good point. As exemplified by the fact that he's missing a leg.
4: Maybe he's super stupid and uses it for slicing meats. <laughs> he's super stupid. We do know that. So, yeah, is, is anyone else confused by the fact? So he gets shot in the foot. Yeah, and that's how we find out that he's got the fake leg.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: Why is he limping? He okay. limps. He limps through the rest of the movie. That's a fake foot.
3: I think that they just are trying to imply that he walks funny because he has a fake leg.
4: But he wasn't limping through the first part of the movie. Well, because they didn't want to give it away. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is complete stupidity on the filmmaker's part?
1: I, I,
3: what I'm saying Cause is... Because I, I, I accept that. <laughs> what I'm saying is to <laughs> stole that whole thing about shooting him in the fake leg when for the Who Shot Mr. Burns episode. Then, is it Jasper that gets shot and it turns out he's had a fake leg throughout all these seasons and no one knew? I'm so sorry I shot you in your fake leg. Who shot who in the what now? <laughs> uh.
4: and the last thing he did was point to MS for Maggie Simpson. No! The last thing I did was suck out the gold fillings in my teeth and swallow them so that the coroner couldn't steal them. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: uh,
2: so that's how enjoyable Eating Alive was. We're making Simpsons references now, <laughs> I'm having a better time.
3: I think the Simpsons reference Eating Alive. I think that's what we've established. <laughs> I, I think this is an odd one. I think this is a good recommend for people who can
4: enjoy a nice, like, uh, r- ridiculous fucking movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: But if if you're expecting like a good movie, this is this isn't going to do it no. for you. <laughs>
2: If yeah, if, if you're still that assumption uh that like oh it's Toby Hooper, he made Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This is obviously gonna be brilliant. Uh you're gonna be disappointed.
4: Yeah, it would it would be best just to fucking just to completely ignore anyone involved. Yeah.
3: Yeah, no, I I agree. I think if you go into this kind of blind and you're just like, let's have some fun, watch this silly movie, you're gonna enjoy it if you go into it with higher expectations, I mean, there's no way to argue that this is objectively good. I think it's,
2: it's, yeah.
3: Again. Yeah. Like it's, it's fun to watch, but that's, it's not the same thing as being good. We can't believe we find ourselves saying that every week on the show. <laughs> uh, I,
2: uh,
1: I,
3: I was... would, I would say it is fun
4: enough to watch to deserve being watched. So if, if you can have fun with this kind of thing, this one, fucking watch it because it's it's hilarious. I mean, it's it's a fun, weird, kind of campy, awkward, titty, almost like an eighties movie, but made in the seventies.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, I watched it the first time, sort of thinking like, "Oh, this is eaten alive." Like this is sort of another big movie that Toby Hooper is kind of known for. Like everybody talks about it. So I watched it and was thoroughly disappointed. Um, I think, as Doug said, maybe going in with lower expectations this time. It wasn't nearly as bad, but um, yeah, I still wouldn't say it was good. But definitely a, a party movie. If you got some oh, friends yeah. over, have some beers. Like I think this would be like perfect for that.
3: Yeah, you got to have a lot of weird friends for this to work, but. Yeah. Look, look! Look! If you're listening to this, you probably have a lot of weird friends.
4: You can you can definitely make this movie into one of those weird movie drinking games. Like like drink every time he mutters weird to himself. Drink every time he misses with the scythe.
3: Drink every time the girl screams and see if you can make it through.
4: And chug chug <laughs> a beer every time somebody gets eaten by the crocodile.
2: Ooh, what if you got to chug a drink during her screaming? Oh Jesus! No, you got to be drinking the entire length. The first screen.
4: <laughs> you have to eat a Tide pod every time. Uh,
2: I was hoping <sighs> we would never talk about eating Tide pods on this show, <laughs> but this is where we are as a society.
3: I'm, just, I'm waiting for the new Tide commercial where they have to tag the little thing onto the end.
1: Do not eat this.
3: <laughs> Possible this is, side effects include: this is literal poison. <laughs>
2: Have you seen the uh, meme of the the guy that has ajax and has got like lines all stretched out like cocaine and he's like oh you're you're doing you're eating tide pods that's cute and then i saw another version of it where right below it somebody like some like looks like somebody's grandma commented that's like oh you shouldn't joke about this kind of stuff what if people take take you up on it end up doing it they're going to hurt themselves and the person that posted it responded with, oh, this must be your first day on the internet. Welcome to the Thunderdome, motherfucker.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I really like the tied pocket meme. That's pretty funny. Oh, Jesus. Uh, Anyways, I think that's the end of discussion on this movie. I, like yes. I said, it's a recommend for me. But I like
2: Goofy. But you all know anybody. what that entails, listeners. Heck yeah. <laughs> uh.
1: Yeah. All right. Right.
4: It's, a, it's a recommend with the caveat of it's my
2: recommendation.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, all right. So, Doug, why don't you tell us what Motel Hell is about?
3: Uh, there's these people that run a motel and they also sell meat, which is weird that they do both. And it turns out the meat is people. It's people! That's the whole plot.
1: <laughs>
3: Technically, it's 50-50 pork and human.
1: Yes, religion. it is. It is mixed
3: pork and human people. That's, that's the perfect thing. They have to and they,
4: that they, perfect smoked
3: flavor. And they say no preservatives. Spoiler alert, they're fucking lying. They totally use uh, preservatives. I can't believe that. In today's day and age, that would be more upsetting to people than finding out it's human meat. Why GMO people?
2: That was the best. I completely forgot about that too.
3: I I
4: have no idea how to discuss this movie because there are so many fucking things I want to talk about.
3: Oh, it's just it. It is literally just like these people hang out at a hotel and random people show up and they convert them to meat, and that's it. And like it is some of the weirdest shit I've ever seen. Like when he starts, the farmer guy starts going off on his tangent about how setting traps for passerbys really makes the, brings enjoyment to his work because it lets him be creative and artistic. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Like, I have no idea how to take that. I have no idea if it's a joke. I have no idea if it's serious. I know I enjoyed listening to him give that speech.
4: I will say, so So in, in typical cannibal movie fashion, I- at the beginning of the movie, you're left to assume he just hauls these people off and you know, chops them up and it makes them into delicious canned hams, apparently, <laughs> but uh we find out in this one no. <laughs> he he instead plants them up to their neck in the garden, uh like like weird voice box yeah, like weird people eat cabbages and and slits their vocal cord <laughs> so they can't scream. and can only make weird frog croaky sounds. And leaves them there for an extended period of time while feeding them through a a funnel attached to a snorkel (laughs) until they are properly ripe and can be harvested.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's correct.
4: Which, might, might I say, is one of the best fucking things I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh.
3: Watching them pour that slop into the funnel... And like, like all in a row, like they're out there, oh, got to water the uh, human meat again. And they just go through and they pour the slop into the funnel, which, and then it, it kind of pulls back and you can see that it's going through the, the snorkel into their mouths. And I'm like, fantastic. I don't like, clearly the human centipede learned from this. I feel like with the passing of the food through and
4: yeah, I'm, I'm on board with everything in this movie.
2: <laughs> so, so was this the first time watch for both of you?
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I had seen a still shot of the people like with their heads planted as cabbage. And that's what caused me Mm -hmm. to buy this movie. Gotcha. Uh, (laughs) I actually got to
2: see this a couple years ago at a drive-in. So awesome. Yeah.
4: That would be so good.
2: Um, Uh, There's there's
4: also a weird subplot of at the beginning of the movie, there is a motorcycle accident which of course we later find out is caused by crazy people
3: yeah and by later find out mean it's really obvious that they caused it the whole time
4: oh oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah and uh if, of course the boyfriend quote finger dies but he decides to take the girl home and nurse her back to hell under some weird idea that they're gonna convert her into a Cannibal cook? Yeah, that's right. That? Is, 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 so am I right about that? Is that is that their plan the whole time? Or does he just randomly, out of all the fucking people they've murdered and done this thing to, he looks at this one blonde girl and goes,
3: no, not this one. Okay, so I don't know how you can think that's the weird part, when she ends up <laughs> falling in love with the creepy old farmer guy that eats people.
2: I was say, we <laughs> should comes- mention, she does it's- she does what, get nursed what's... back to health and has no inkling of, well, maybe I should go back home. Instead, no, I'm just, just going like... to hang out at this hotel or this motel with these crazy people who nursed me back to health.
1: Months, her old so man lady
4: boner comes out of left field too.
2: <laughs> <Like> the, <laughs> the
4: cop tries to rape her and then she has like a rough night's sleep and then they come in and they're like, it's okay, and she's like, fuck me, old man.
3: <laughs> she wants that old man. and At first, I'm like, it's a dream sequence and I'm like no I think and he's like turning her down unless she agrees to marry him and she's like fine it's worth it and I'm like holy shit where is this coming from what is happening (laughs) I'm just the whole time I'm just like I don't understand like I don't know if he brought her back because he was like attracted to her because he sort of treats her like a daughter through much of the movie. And that's what I thought is he saw her as in that way. And he talks about her like taking over the family business. And I thought that's legitimately what he wanted. But then all of a sudden he's like, well, now that I've seen your boobies, guess I can marry you. And then uh, that way we can go up, <laughs> proceed with the uh, other activities. He doesn't seem to be that weirded out. Like he doesn't seem that it's not that big a deal to him when she finds out that they're making people meet. He's like, oh, I was going to tell you about this later. It's like it's very strange.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah,
2: and
4: and so race cop, <laughs> whatever he uh, goes through his spiel where he's attempting to talk her out of marrying.
2: Uh, uh, you should also mention it's his brother is the cop. yeah
4: yeah who's who's the brother is trying to talk her out of marrying him. He comes up with all of these random accusations, of course, of, you know, he's got syphilis, and it's eating away at his brain. But but the big thing is, he goes into weird, grotesque detail, talking about his brother's old man dick, basically. He's like, you're gonna see his pile of gray hairs and his loose
0: balls. <laughs>
3: it's very, very strange. <laughs> Not to mention they're brothers, but they gotta be 30 years apart in age. That's a little weird.
4: (laughs) Uh, I'd also like to take a sidestep because so she goes out on a date with the cop before all this happens, in which he gets real fucking rapey. Yeah. and, And only stops when a call for help comes over the radio and he thinks it's her screaming for help. And he stops with this weird begrudging, like, "Oh Jesus Christ, fine if you're gonna be like that about it." And it's like, <laughs> "What the fuck?"
3: No, oh, because weirder than that is her reaction in the moment where he's like, "If you're gonna be like that," and she's like, "Well, it wasn't me." Like she gets defensive.
4: Yeah, <laughs> <sighs> yeah, that's fucking weird. That's also the scene where we get uh, pretty much the only boobs of the movie, right? We get like the her boobs at the end but
3: yeah you do because there's like this weird thing where the cop like again where every moment of this film is weird if we try to discuss everything that's weird we're going to be here a while but (laughs) the cop like he says he's going to take her to the drive-in he pulls up to like this random field and he's and she's like this doesn't feel like a drive-in and we're seeing it from the outside perspective it's clearly like a spot where people go to like make out in cars or whatever which apparently was a thing as far back as the 80s, I don't know. Spots where everybody would gather together to have sex in their cars, I don't understand that really, but they would, and he's like, oh, we're at the wrong tree, hang on, and he uses like his his cop, whatever the the loudspeaker type equipment, and he's like announcing, you guys are all in violation of the law for public nudity and all this, and so they all scatter, and that way he can pull up to just the right spot so that they can see the drive-in theater
4: through binoculars,
3: yeah, to which then he calls the drive-in theater and has them feed the volume through the cop car radio. I'm wondering the whole time why he didn't... Like, if they're willing to do that for him, they'd probably just let him into the drive-in for free. Why didn't he just go to the drive-in? <laughs>
4: right I also, there? And what kind of a cheap piece of shit takes a girl on a date to fucking <laughs> not pay for two tickets to the drive-in? Like... We're going to drive up on this hill and you can watch it through binoculars, you whore. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, he, they had to be by themselves. Otherwise, he couldn't be Mr. Rapey Hands. No, so. well,
3: that's true. <sighs> but he didn't take her to somewhere where they'd automatically be alone. He had to chase off a bunch of other sexual deviants. Two of which are the the whip and chain couple that end up back at the motel. Oh
4: my god. They're one of my favorite fucking parts of the movie too.
3: It's so weird.
4: The scene of the woman running around that room with a bullwhip, just breaking lamps (laughs) with the bullwhip. And then, of course, the guy comes out wearing like a uh, clear plastic dress. Yep. And and like a slave caller and she says, "Hey, aren't you even going to shave?" And he goes, "I always do." And then he starts shaving his chest.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that joke failed miserably, but it failed so bad that it was funny to watch it fail.
4: Oh my god! And then whenever the couple, you know, of course, crazy murder couple comes in the room, and they're both carrying rope, and they're like, "Hey, you're here. Oh, and you're into bondage, sweet." <laughs> you just want us to lay down on the bed? Do you want me to tie you up? Do you want to tie me up? (laughs) And this movie culminates in a chainsaw sword fight while one person is wearing a severed pig head as a mask.
3: I can't believe we got this far and didn't bring up the severed pig head masks. (laughs) Somehow it never occurred to us that that was a weird thing because this movie is so fucking weird.
4: Which earns this movie this Audible podcast <laughs> applause, uh, and I'm the greatest hypocrite of them all. I use preservatives.
1: <laughs>
3: I was I did feel sort of let down when I found out they use preservatives. That's the weird part. I am kind of like, oh, you can't say you're not using preservatives, then.
2: Just like, dick move, farmer, who kills yeah. people.
3: Kills people. <laughs> well,
4: you kill him right away. I also like the uh, the anticlimactic moment of the... So, the Brussels sprout people, one of them manages to wiggle loose and then freeze the rest, and they lead a shambling, zombie-like raid upon the uh, meat refinery, I guess is what it would be. <laughs> I would call it a packing plant, but that's not what's going on. It's weird. That 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 plan is weird. None of that machinery serves any purpose.
3: No, it's it's not important.
4: But <laughs> it's
2: it's so pointless.
4: So they basically like they all attack and just are immediately
3: foiled.
2: <laughs> well, foiled they're... by his fat lady assistant.
3: I I thought it was his wife for the longest time. Then I thought maybe his yep. sister. I have no idea who she is. <laughs> I assume maybe? now. Like that, he kidnapped her the way he kidnapped the blonde girl, and that's kind of a main character in the movie. And maybe he's just just like trading her in for a younger model.
2: (laughs) I think that's what it was.
3: I I have no idea.
4: And so let's go back for a second to the picnic scene where they're explaining (laughs) how he got into smoking meats, and (laughs) it's got to do with his grandma bitching about some dog, and so he killed and smoked the dog and fed it to everybody, and it was
1: pretty good.
3: Apparently, <laughs> By the way, that whole picnic scene takes place in in a cemetery, and no one brings it up. Like, they're yeah. just picnicking in a cemetery, and everybody's okay with it.
4: Oh. Yeah, but they're like, and that smoked dog meat was so delicious that she taught him all of her smoking tricks. <laughs> he's smoking meats to this day. And the lady's like, you all know that's weird, right? And everybody's like, no, fuck it. Meat's nothing meat. nothing wrong with the smoked doggy meat. <laughs> I love his accusation, too, about his brother, where he's like, he's the biggest cannibal of them all. He's been eating this stuff for as long as I've been making it. <laughs>
2: Yeah, because you've not been telling him there's people in
4: it. Yes, I'm saying his weird indictment of society. And he's like, listen, everybody within a hundred mile radius of here has ate this human meat and they all like it. And that's all that matters in this situation is that people enjoy my human meats.
2: Uh, I'm just loving that you guys love this movie so much.
3: Oh my God. It was just it, i don't even know if i liked it i just know it was bizarre shit and i couldn't like stop thinking like trying to i was trying to understand it and then at some point i was like i don't think this is meant to be understood i think this is just a lot of what happens in this movie i think is just coincidental i think it's because okay so explain this to me at the beginning of the movie the boyfriends killed the girlfriends brought back the motel mm-hmm. the farmer is his excuse is I just went ahead and buried the body at the cemetery. He went and dug a proper grave, put a gravestone, the whole deal. While the that while the girlfriend was like asleep for the night, the cop brother shows up and says, "Oh yeah, in, in this county, that's just acceptable." Mm-hmm. And then the cop brother has no idea that his brother's killing people and making. Them so why is he letting him get away with just burying random bodies instead of shipping them home or I, report like reporting it to the coroner first?
4: And, and of all of all the best revolutions, uh, resolutions in movie history, the only reason why he discovers that the brother's been murdering people is that the chick that he really wants to rape uh, has fallen in love with his brother's old man dick. And he just can't (laughs) handle that. So he starts trying to dig up any shit he can find. (laughs) And ends up discovering that his brother's been murdering people for 30 years and making them into sweet, sweet meats.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing in this movie to be understood.
3: Uh, There's a line in this movie where the guy's like, says here, because like, he calls it, calls it like whatever Willie's famous meats or whatever he calls it. Like it says it's famous meat. So how come I've never heard of it? As if when you name something, your famous meat that that means it's actually famous. Like there's a criteria you have to have met to use that name.
4: <laughs> I, I like the fact that his explanation is that. So they only uh, send out meats within a hundred mile radius and. That they do it to keep costs down and you know to maintain quality and stuff, which oddly enough, that's actually a really good business practice. That's what a lot of small batch beer companies do.
3: Yeah, that's true.
4: <laughs> and I was like, that's, "That's some good thinking, Cannibal."
2: Hey, just because he's a cannibal doesn't mean he's not a smart businessman.
3: Yeah, I don't, just don't. Don't be so judgmental, though.
4: <laughs> what I would like to understand is what burying the pizza does for him, because. Is he trying to like fatten them up? Is he yes. trying to get them to hold still? Is it like calf meat? It's like chaining the calf to the ground so they can't use their leg muscles to tenderize themselves? It's not, <laughs> it's
3: not fully explained in the movie, but I think it's got to do with what he's feeding them. Because, you know, if you get like food from different parts of the world, like say so you get chicken from uh, Asia, it tastes a lot more fishy because they're fed a lot of <laughs> fish byproducts over there. So I think whatever he's feeding them is influencing oh. the flavor of their meat. So it's like cleaning,
1: making, a, it's like, it just right. Yeah,
3: it's like cleaning a snapping turtle, where you got to
4: keep changing that water out to clean out its digestive tract.
3: I, sure, you're weirder than this fucking movie, but
4: <laughs> sure, that's that's how you clean a snapping turtle. You catch a snapping turtle and you put it in a kiddie pool, and then you got to keep changing out the water in the kiddie pool, and eventually it'll clean out all the nastiness that the turtle has in them, so they don't taste like swamp meat. I know well, food, you. you know. <laughs> and anyway. I'm assuming the same thing would apply to people. You throw them in a kiddie pool and you got to change
3: something. Now you're questioning this guy's tactics, though, because he never used a kiddie pool at all.
4: <laughs> no, and okay.
2: he his, also his kiddie pool was the secret garden behind the bush that nobody decided to look behind.
4: So, so also in weird uh, things that they do in real life parallel to this fucking bizarre movie, uh, they do make an attempt, especially in uh, kosher butcheries, to, the animal has to be at peace when it dies. Right? <laughs> so the rabbi actually has to, like, pet the cow and talk nicely to it and stuff. And, and then he slits its throat so that the meat ain't poisoned by that, that fear because fear makes meat taste bad, which is a weird fucking thing, but it's true. Yes. But uh, he hypnotizes them with a weird fucking swirly <laughs> multi-light setup thing and convinces yeah. them that they're going on like a hippie space voyage to fuckville or something weird and then breaks <laughs> all their necks with a noose on a tractor.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. you, found, you and- found that
4: weird? <laughs> I just like once again I I just I fucking I want to talk to everybody involved in this movie
3: I, I just want to know See, I, I don't know the the whole hypnotizing thing I'm not a farmer so I just assumed that that was accurate that that's how the proper way to do it would be
4: <laughs> you think they use a squirrely light thing to hypnotize the cows that might be true I might I might not <laughs> even fucking know but that you, you might be
1: wrong <laughs> uh.
2: Um, anybody notice uh, John Ratzenberger is one of the uh, punks that he uh, kills?
3: Yep, got super excited when I saw his name in the title, so I was like looking for him. And when he's playing a punk, I'm like, "That's perfect." It's this weird <laughs> like heavy metal band shows up, which it turns out it's completely irrelevant that they're a heavy metal band. I don't know why they even were, other than they just wanted like five guys in a van together um, and they had to come up with something.
4: Because it was a fantastic fucking joke that it was Ivan and the Terribles. I think you're using the term fantastic joke wrong but oh I don't think so just because especially because it goes in and they're doing like weird Russian punk rock and they all have like <laughs> doofy ass beards I mean, what does he say what does he say right before he wrecks the car uh damn it. cause he says something totally fucking stupid he's like yeah we need to pull over soon cause something 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 and then boom
3: he hits the bear trap and rolls the van <laughs> <laughs> I do like the use of bear traps to cause car accidents. It's That's amazing. A nice touch.
2: Um, well, good news, Noah. Uh, Scream Factory put out <laughs> Motel Hell on Blu-ray. Uh, uh, and it looks like it's got interviews with the director and stuff. So,
4: yeah, I the director I, and the I, writers. Every <laughs> so one of the traps. So, and and the best thing is the traps get better as the movie progresses because the first time he just shoots their tire yeah that's that's not very exciting second time uh bear trap right bear trap rolls the van third time puts cardboard cut out standings of cows across the road (laughs)
3: lots of them too i don't know how he had those handy but it was amazing (laughs) because then those girls that are coming back from like a ski trip which is weird because none of the rest of this movie takes place in the winter (laughs) <laughs> and they all have to, like, they, they get into that big argument over who's going to move the fake cows. Yeah. The well, well, fact
4: it, takes, that, it takes them a minute, too, to figure out that they're fake cows. They're yeah. like, wait, those don't look right. I think those are fake cows. And they're like, why would somebody put fake cows in the road?
3: The thing is, like, they don't, they're not well done cardboard cutouts of cows. No. They would, and so I don't know, uh, again, because this movie is so bizarre, is the joke that those girls are so stupid they don't know? Or did they want those things to look real, and that's just the best they could do? I have no idea.
1: I'd like
4: to know what's in his little gas canister, too. Because he's got some kind of knockout gas
3: that yep. is strong.
2: I <laughs> can't, yeah, it's, can't it's...
3: believe they didn't explore that.
2: it's it's laughing gas they give you the gas and they laugh come on
3: yeah but laughing
4: gas doesn't (laughs) knock you out that fast they even draw attention to that whenever he's knocking out the kingsters because the first guy's like take a huff the guy's like it just hits the ground and she's like hey wait a minute that don't smell like laughing gas
2: (laughs) which is when they say it's it's special laughing gas you take the gas and we laugh come on (laughs) my joke
3: I do like the visual of him walking around with like that gas mask on carrying the canister. When he's going after the girls by the car.
1: <laughs> God, God damn it. <laughs>
2: I just love that Noah's now obsessed with what the fuck is going on in this movie. It's, it's so
4: fucking. Everything. Everything in this movie, I would. I, I honestly. Here, so here's the thing. Once again. I'm not saying that this is like the fucking Godfather, right? This
3: is not Oh, you don't you don't think this is the Godfather? I thought this these, is, I thought this was almost a remake of The Godfather when I watched it. Is, well, I mean,
4: as far as being put together, this is not the most best made movie I've ever seen in my entire life. And yet, I would not change a single fucking second of this movie. Not a word, not a line. This movie's fucking amazing. It's
3: <laughs> <That's> funny. <laughs> yeah, this movie this movie was fucked up, but it was fucked up in just the right way. <laughs> I, I it's almost like I want somebody to do a remake so I know they could meet the original director, talk to him, and then we could watch their movie and find out what they thought they were doing when when <laughs> they made this movie. But I don't want this one to go away. I want this one to stay as is. I feel like maybe a lot of what happened happened by accident. They're just like we need another kill in the middle of the movie. All right, we'll get some characters. Who do we have around? Well, we have the one couple that was having sex in their car. Those actors are still here. All right, well, so we what do we know about them so far? We know they're kinky weird people that have sex in their car, even though they're grown adults. Uh, so let's have him show up at the hotel looking to have some sort of an orgy. That'll be our starting point. Go from there. We'll add lib on the day. <laughs> I feel like that's how this movie got made.
4: I don't Man. know. I just I just can't imagine that you can make that many mistakes that work out. <laughs> so in in my opinion, I'm going to go with this is all intentional and they're fucking geniuses. <laughs> I just don't know how this could be intentional. It doesn't seem plausible to me. I don't. Somebody had to write that script. <laughs>
1: <laughs> somebody had
4: to sit down and go, uh, "Cabbage head people," uh, and weird croaky voice. And uh, so then they're in the barn, and the blonde girl's standing there next to the vat of meat with a foot floating in it, right? And the, the fat, ugly girl's gonna, like, kick it to get the foot to sink. And then a hand's gonna float up. And then she's gonna scream, It's a good day for tubing!
3: <laughs> it's
4: a distraction. <laughs> Cut to tubing.
3: I don't know why you had to
4: call her ugly and all that. I, I'm i pretty sure that is an intention of the movie, for her to be the dumpy, unattractive sidekick.
3: I still don't know why she was in the movie.
2: She's his assistant. Come on, everybody needs a good assistant.
3: That's a good point. She's just the Igor to his Frankenstein, I guess. Yeah.
2: Um, so some interesting things about this movie. We forgot to mention Wolfman Jackson in it for really no reason whatsoever.
3: No. Well, because being a radio DJ was not a good reason to be famous anymore, so you just had to do cameos in movies.
2: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, apparently uh this will probably not come off as being surprising uh apparently toby hooper was originally going to direct this movie yeah <laughs> but fair enough uh, apparently it was, it was when it was at universal and the studio was like no this movie's already like really weird so he just kind of was like oh, i'm gonna go do something else it's already weird fuck you guys <laughs> And then uh, apparently the chainsaw duel was not originally in the script. It was something they came up with like as they were filming. And then they took five 12-hour days to shoot that scene.
4: And God bless us, everyone. <laughs> uh,
2: but then, you know, weirdly enough, a couple years later, Toby Hooper put a chainsaw fight in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2.
3: So that... That chainsaw fight was like destiny then. It was going to show up regardless of the fact that it wasn't in the script. There was some sort of a force guiding it to arrive in this film. (laughs) Mm. So good.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's why I'm just glad I didn't have to say anything. I just listened to you two go off like (laughs) what the fuck? This didn't
3: even make any sense. Well, it it didn't. You were correct when we said that.
4: So... So back to the picnic scene where the girl's like, what makes it so good? And the, and the girl's ghost. The uh, the Igor character starts going, well, what he does is he mixes the pork with and then he just fucking gut punches her really, really hard. He really does.
1: <laughs> mix it he with goes, secret
2: spices. Yeah, it's a blend
4: of secret spices, but I'm very protective of <laughs>
1: Which is
3: technically true. He's not lying to her.
2: <laughs> oh. I Did imagine you... Noah's going to watch this movie multiple times over the next oh, year.
4: Man. I'm I'm upset that this isn't a franchise. That there isn't like these
3: <laughs> You don't yeah. feel
4: they said all they needed to say? That there's there's more to be done here. <laughs> there, there's always more to be done. Listen, nobody needed to add anything to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then there was Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two, which is awesome in so many other ways. <laughs>
1: uh,
2: apparently, that role was originally offered to. Uh, apparently, that role was originally offered to Harry Dean Stanton, who understandably turned it down. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's a be,
3: he's a fool. I, <laughs> I really wish that they'd had some like big name actors in this for the sake of just being able to like watch some squirm when they're asked later in their career about this movie.
2: <laughs> Do you remember when you did Motel Hell? Oh no, we're not going to talk about that.
3: <laughs> yeah, just, it would be amazing. It'd be worth like going to journalism school struggling for years to get a career where you could interview one of the stars of this movie and just like they're there to talk about their Oscar nominated performance and you're just like can you explain to me why that picnic was in a cemetery to start with and why did the cop cover up the fact that the guy was burying bodies that doesn't even make sense when you think about it
4: Whose decision was it to have Rape Cop be one of the people who gets out at the end of the movie
2: Uh, uh. I do have this, like, image now of Doug, like, going through college, <laughs> like, taking all these classes and try, taking all these shit jobs at newspapers, and then finally gets there and is just like, so let's let's talk about Motel Hell. It's like, oh, no, no, I'm here to talk about, you know, the glory of Evelyn or whatever the fuck, you know, pretentious movie. Oh, no, no, no. All questions because- will be about Motel Uh, (laughs) Then I just see his agent like freaking out like, no! No, We're not talking about Motel Hell!
4: Why when through the entire movie we're shown that it's their heads poking out of the ground
1: at the end of the
4: movie when they go to examine the hidden garden is the one person they find still buried face down with just her legs sticking out? Secondary question, why do they
2: make no attempt
4: to save her?
2: Well, that was Ida. That was the Igor character.
3: Yeah, that, what that was okay. Yeah, all,
2: all the zombies but, buried her face down.
3: <laughs> but it wasn't really clear in the movie. I think I I had to check Wikipedia to find out how she got like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I did with my day, by the way. I checked Wikipedia to find out the facts about this movie. Well, now I'm a little
4: disappointed that I got an answer.
3: <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> this better is a pure enigma. That is the only thing in the movie that made sense. is that makes you feel better,
2: yeah. And I would imagine like asking all these technical questions about the story, <laughs> and whoever you're talking to is like, "Look, I was just an actor in it, man. I don't know. I didn't make these decisions." And you'd be like, "No, I'm not leaving until I get an answer, Mister." <laughs> yeah.
4: I I will say now. I have to be very genre specific. I will say. In either the field of cannibal movie, or in motel-themed horror movie. I'm pretty sure this may have just jumped to the number one slot. Ooh. I don't know, though, because Sex Chainsaw Massacre is really fucking good.
1: <laughs>
4: so maybe not cannibal. Probably number two cannibal. But, in my own humble opinion, I would rather watch this than Psycho. And Psycho's a fucking
3: amazing Ooh. movie.
2: Strong words.
3: I think objectively, we have to acknowledge that Psycho is probably the better movie. No, yeah, I'm not.
4: I'm not saying it isn't. So, Psycho is an amazing fucking movie. This, however, is so fucking enjoyable to watch <laughs> that it is more enjoyable for me to watch this than for me to watch Psycho.
0: Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-in. No one is here to take your call. For info, check out the Midnight Drive In on Twitter at MN Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling.
2: So, anybody watch anything this week? Uh, Doug, did you watch anything this week?
3: I did watch a few things this week. Watch. Uh, so the first thing I watched was a movie that you recommended to me a couple of weeks ago, and then I ignored you. And then Acquaintance of the Show, Eric, recommended it. So I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> just, <laughs> the movie was Central Intelligence with The Rock and oh, Okay. Yeah, I got to tell you, I just don't think modern comedies are made for me anymore. it's just the acting's good the the play back and forth between the two main actors is really genuinely funny but it's just like they don't even try to make the plot make any kind of sense anymore and it's like that's I don't know I guess I go for more of like the I don't want to call it more intelligent comedy because I'm certainly interested in like the fart jokes and stuff but just the whole concept of like there should be a story that makes just enough sense and then this one is just like I don't there isn't really.
4: Really? See, I I saw it and I actually kind of ended up enjoying
3: it. I again like I laughed several times throughout it. It was an enjoyable kind of one time watch. But it's just it really like the whole central premise of the movie is that this guy who's like a CIA agent had to like track down this other guy because the other guy has these great accounting skills that are gonna help him solve his case doesn't need an account at all for anything he does.
4: Well, but that's what I I think they get that point across in the movie, too, that the whole thing is, is that Kevin Hart's character was nice to him one time. And the whole thing is that he was supposed to be such a picked on horrible dweeb that even though Kevin Hart's character barely knew him, he always considered Kevin Hart's character to be like his best friend.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I agree with all that. I just don't know why he tracked him down to help him out with this case.
4: Well, that's why because like that's
2: literally the only reason why
4: yeah but that, that is the entire justification he's just latched on to this one person and found an excuse to reconnect with him yeah done all right you used to get it i just i honestly i honestly <laughs> thought the whole thing is it, it ends up being pretty heartwarming at the end when you uh I guess it's spoilery to reveal it, but they're... Spoilers
2: (laughs) for Central Intelligence.
3: Well, they're kind of it.
2: Just
4: just because the whole movie is based on this weird premise that you're not entirely sure who The Rock's character is, if he really is this... Because he's basically playing a dude who's a complete fucking dweeb that used to be a fat dweeb and is now a dweeb that can like fucking murder you. Yeah. (laughs) And whether or not he's evil is pretty much it if if he's turned and gone to the dark side but you know you don't want to believe he is because he seems like such a cuddly lovable guy through the whole movie
3: but I didn't think this movie was ever gonna go to the point of him being the bad guy like you weren't fooled I don't think
4: really I I thought a couple times at the end of the movie they might do it just because
3: Uh, modern modern comedy they could have done it and then just kept joking about it but that'd be like motel hell expecting you mm-hmm. to, like, and then it, there are no people in me. Like, that'd be the, you know what I mean? It's that yeah. level of, of plot twist. It just, I I, yeah. I thought it was pretty obvious where it was headed. Yeah, oh, I predicted the final scene of the movie, which is, of course, Kevin Hart's character that hates his accounting job, is now a CIA agent. Like, I predicted that. That's how it and, works. Yeah, I, I, I works. predicted that, like, two minutes into the movie. Which is fine. <laughs> like, for comedy films, they don't always need to be Unpredictable, but so anyways, yeah, I, I think it was a fun one-time watch. I don't know why we're talking about it this much on the podcast. <laughs> That's not really about mainstream comedy films, but since, you know, several people associated with the show, I'd mentioned it. I thought I'd bring up the fact that I watched it.
1: Sure.
3: Um, also upgraded my copy of nightmare on Elm street to blu-ray
1: Ooh. and
3: watched that. Every time I watch Nightmare on Elm Street, I forget just how fucking good that movie is, and I watch it blown yeah. away. It's just, it is amazing. Like that,
1: it, it's, it's really a good on Blu-ray too, it. doesn't it?
3: It does, yeah. Um, yeah, that that common, the character that like Wes Craven and Robert England create, and then just everything about that movie is so good. There's a scene in the middle of that movie, if you haven't seen it in a while, like where Nancy goes to get tested to see why she's not sleeping properly and she's mm-hmm. and she's in the she's in the hospital bed and they've got all this stuff on her and they're monitoring her, her mom's in the next room with the doctors she goes to sleep and goes into nightmare mode and they choose not to go into the dream world with her every other time you go into the dream world with Nancy this one particular time we mm-hmm. see that scene from her mom's perspective watching her like flop around on the bed and we're seeing scars form and we don't know what's happened and we, they never reveal what happened to her in that dream sequence and that's also where she figures out that she can bring Freddy's hat out with her and it's like mm. that is such an effective scene and it's like I don't no. know, the, the genius of a guy like Wes Craven is that he knew not to go into the dream world that one time, he knew that you wanted to spend as much time in the dream world as possible but that that particular scene was more effective without going in And I I don't know how you know that when you're making this movie.
2: Because he's Wes Craven.
3: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I don't know. Not much to say about that movie. Just, you know, I really enjoyed watching it. It does look good on Blu-ray. I bought the box set of all the movies on Blu-ray. So, I might have something to say about the sequels in coming (laughs) weeks. (laughs) We'll see. Um,
2: No, I've been obsessed with, like, a deleted scene from that movie for, like, a while where you find out that it turns out Nancy had an older brother that was one of Freddy's victims and i've been like it's like a 30 second scene and they cut it out but if you really think of that scene like in context of the movie like i feel like it just adds like so much more to it like it explains like why her parents got divorced explains why her mom's got this horrible drinking problem uh makes this uh between Nancy and him? He killed her brother?
3: Yeah, but I think, how do you have an older... Okay, so, to, to go against your first points, I think I just took the family that murders together has trouble staying together. was enough enough sure. for the mom to be sure. drinking and the dad to have left and stuff. Hmm. And I think they actually do a really good job of, like, John Saxon and the mother character, I don't know that actress's name off the top of my head, they Brian do a really like good it. job of, of like creating this like family unit where the parents have separated but they both still care about the kid and uh, I thought they did like a really good job of setting that up
4: I can tell you one reason why they most certainly did not get divorced lack of toe sucking
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you for that no I I don't know
2: I just I think from a story standpoint like in my mind like it just there's so many other layers that start unfolding like you know because her dad's a cop and she says that you know they signed something in the wrong place, so Freddie ends up getting off or whatever. So I just like I'm just imagining like the tension between them. Like you're a fucking cop, you can even save your own goddamn son and um you know, somewhat letting him off because one of your guys fucked up somewhere, and just all that extra tension like in my head. Like yeah, the problem. I, I just, the problem I, I have that. with
3: it. The problem I have with it is that how does Nancy not know? about Freddy Krueger if her older brother was killed by him.
1: Nobody
2: talks about it. Come on.
3: That's it. We're just going to have... Nobody mentions (laughs) the older brother. Like like you're talking about a girl, she's whatever, supposed to be 15 in the movie. Like She never went to her parents. I was like, what ever happened to him anyway? Remember there used to be a guy that lived in that room? It's like, dude, are we in Happy Days? Did the brother just go out for drinks (laughs) one day and never come home? Like, what's going on?
2: She She was a baby. She just didn't remember. It's my, its one of my favorite I mean, deleted scenes, Doug. Don't quit making too much of it.
3: <laughs> anyways, that's—that's that's where I feel. I feel like it's—it it has a better—a uh, better impact on the story that Nancy just never knew that there was this guy out there.
0: And I also think it
3: changes the parents' character if they were seeking direct vengeance for their own child's murder compared to just being part of the mob that participated in this.
2: Yeah, fair enough.
3: So, I don't know. I haven't seen the scene. Maybe it's really good and I would
2: want it added back in if I saw No, it. it's literally not. Okay. It's, it's the scene where she's in the basement and she pulls the glove out of the furnace. Yeah. Rick Ruger. It's like literally a thirty second snippet that's in that sort of dialogue. Okay. Oh. Oh. Well.
3: Alright. So I I said that we didn't have much to talk about. Turns out we did
1: though.
3: <laughs> that's how little I understand about how podcasting works. <laughs> Uh, next thing I watched was Super Dark Times which oh, yeah. I think it was you Brian that recommended this to me a couple weeks ago right mm-hmm. yeah I I love this movie um, about kids that accidentally yeah. killed kids that accidentally kill their friend and the dramatic impact it has on their lives but then they to choose to cover it up um, That that's right up right up my alley I thought they did a really good job in this movie of capturing what it was like to be a teenager in the 90s
2: yeah. Um, imperative. Without, without like shoving it in your face the whole time.
3: Yeah, no, there's no I mean, th- there's no reason that this movie has to take place in the nineties necessarily,
2: other yeah. than gets rid of cell phones. Um, yeah, that's pretty sense. much like the only plot point is there's no cell phones in this movie. Like that's other yeah. than that, it could take place any time.
3: But like I I don't know, it just there was something about the atmosphere and the way these kids spoke to each other and everything that just really felt like it, it felt like these are kids I could have gone to high school with. And that's, mm. that was really, that really sucked me in. I'm just at that perfect age where like 96, I was in high school. That's the year this movie's set. Um, and it also like, there was something about the relationship between all these kids that just felt really real to me. There's like a weird moment. It, it's a silly thing, but there's a weird moment where the kid shows up at a party and his best friend is already there without him. Mm-hmm. And he gets a sort of, it's not really a jealousy thing, but it's like, oh, that's weird that you're here without me. Why didn't you come with me if we were both going to be going to the same party? That moment, mm-hmm. and I, that felt so real to me. Teenagers of that time, back when, again, with no cell phones, you didn't always know where your friends were. And you're like, well, what are you, what are you doing at, at this party that you said you couldn't come to me with, but you came anyway? Mm-hmm. That moment just felt, I not know, it felt so real. Um, and that really just plays into what makes this movie good, because... These aren't caricatures of kids. These are kids from a slasher movie. They're they feel like real human beings, and that's why everything that plays out has a real impact.
2: Yeah, so that, it,
3: that movie's a, a huge recommend for me.
2: Yeah, because there's a whole like, I mean, technically you classify this as a horror movie. You're like, no, this isn't a horror movie. It's a drama. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, well, yeah, I agree with that too. Like, the the story is not. A horror story is just a horrible thing that happens to these people and sort of how they decide to deal with it which is really fascinating especially since they do it I would say somewhat realistically I mean obviously they have to lead somewhere with it to be in but I feel like it's like the character is realistic like you said which is yeah. what really heightens it from being just some generic horror movie
3: yeah, I, uh, and I think too. I like the fact that different characters reacted in different ways, mm-hmm. um, and it felt sort of like they were all reacting naturally. But there isn't there isn't one standard reaction to what happened. There is no there's no way that you would just automatically know. Okay, that's how most people would react
1: mm-hmm.
3: given the situation, and I, I thought that worked really well. I thought they did some stupid things too. And I thought, yeah, teenagers do stupid things. Like that makes sense to me. That like the one moment, so like early in the film, like the the death occurs, a guy gets stabbed with a sword that they've playing with, and it's like they throw the sword into like a hole that's near where it happens to hide it. And it's like, well, that's a really dumb thing to do because you don't want whoever finds the body to find that <laughs> sword as well. And yeah. you have to assume that they're going to do a big search of the area and that. But it does seem like the kind of thing teenagers would do in a panic moment—that they would just go, "Oh shit, we better, think, we better get rid of this sword. We don't want to be the guys with a sword when the cops find this body." Yeah. And I don't moments like that that I felt were really real. I thought there's also like there's a a girl in the movie that like two of the boys both seem to have crushes on, and she likes one of them, and it's like normally teenagers romances are not that interesting to me in movies but I thought they did a really good job of portraying it in this film where the kid is just like super awkward around girls and you're just like and it's like it's enhanced by the fact that he's going through all this fucked up shit but it's like it's really interesting to watch how realistically they nail this kid who just has no idea how to react every time this girl talks and like when when he starts like when he's at one point trying to get a hold of somebody and he needs the number from her and she's like being all flirtatious like well you can have the number but you'll have to call me later and talk to me to get it and he's like just calls like, give me the number just give me the fucking number like it's (laughs) it's really like awkward moment and it just it does I don't know how to say like it feels so natural that you're just like yeah that's how probably I would have acted in that situation at that time so I don't know if it would work as well for people who weren't in high school in the era that it's set but
2: yeah. I was. It's basically so, Doug saying, "Like, yeah, that's totally how I acted when we killed one of my friends by accident.
3: Oh, that was the the downer to this film from my perspective was that if, if there's any of these characters that I could relate to the most, it's definitely the kid that got killed.
1: That would have been me. <laughs> <laughs>
3: if you're wondering what I was like in high school, that would have been the me
1: Sad kid.
2: Uh, you, were, you were the super annoying kid that they sort of let hang out with them, but Yes, would just show up the shit, and they they didn't tell him to go home.
3: Kind of, yeah. <laughs> a kid that was just like thought he was being funny all the time by using foul language, but it really wasn't. Yeah, that's
1: <laughs>
3: never really had a place it, to fit in.
1: I will
2: say there is a couple dream sequences in this that are really like fucked up. Yep. That I don't want to go into because you just need to watch the movie and be like. What? What the fuck is that? Like, it's. I really like this movie too. So
3: yeah. So. I, I don't. I now I'm I'm a bit of a sucker for these like dark dramas. There used to be a bunch that came out. They're kind of few and far between now because. The Netflix world. They don't really. People don't sit through slow ass movies the way they used to, but. Yeah. It's a. Cool. Uh, th- this one. This one got to me. I, I like I'm was, I was sitting here watching it, thinking like, "Wow, like this is." I'm thinking this is an excellent movie, and I'm sucked right into these characters the whole time the movie's going on. And even like the end, there is like a climax that occurs that is maybe a little. You could argue easily that it's over the top, but I didn't care because it still felt like a regular pr- a progression of what would happen with all these characters given the circumstances.
2: Yeah. Like I said, it, it's, I mean, they have to lead up to something because it's a movie.
1: Yeah.
2: But yeah, otherwise, like, all the characters are like super realistic. and Yeah. Totally. Have you watched this, Noah? Uh, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I believe it's on Netflix now. You should give it a watch. Is it? Yeah.
4: I've seen it still
3: on VOD for some reason. I I watched it through Netflix, so I don't know if that translates.
1: Well, it's a, very, then, thick, no, it's a very
3: thick border between our countries when it comes to Netflix. <laughs> you never know.
4: I'll we'll have to hop on Netflix and see if I can
3: find it.
2: Yeah, uh, be ready to be depressed afterwards. That's just yeah that's what kind of movie.
3: Yeah, like don't watch that on the day you found out you got a new job. That's, <laughs> those <laughs> yeah. emotions are going to be contradictory. <laughs> uh,
2: yes, no, it is on Netflix. Oh. Okay, man. Yeah, yeah. Let that high ride for a couple days.
3: Yeah, you watch this after your first Monday at work when you're already you're already hating being back. That that's Monday. <laughs> well,
1: tell us what you thought of
3: it next week, then.
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: bet you have homework. Take that.
2: Yeah, last time we did that, he watched the entire series of Black Mirror. So. <laughs> 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 You got have, time for that no more, Mister
4: I have impulse issues.
2: <laughs>
4: no, which which we'll get into in a second.
2: <laughs> All right. Uh, what else you got, Doc? Uh,
3: I this is a bit outdated, but I finally watched the Hateful Eight.
2: Oh yeah, what'd you think?
3: Um, I liked it quite a bit. I I really really enjoyed the first two hours of this three hour <laughs> movie. Um, And there's kind of a a bit of a climax that occurs at the two-hour mark and then the story, they do a flashback to help get us caught up to what caused that moment and then the story progresses from there as well. Mm -hmm. And I thought that could have, that was almost unnecessary, everything that happened after that two-hour mark. You could have easily scripted an ambiguous ending to the film at the two-hour mark and on that yeah. doesn't mean i didn't like everything that came after it. It was all fun to watch because mm-hmm. in that last after the two hour mark that's where most of the shooting at people and all that kind of stuff goes um, but the first two hours is mainly dialogue, but it's dialogue being delivered excellently by excellent actors you know and it's mm-hmm. Quentin Tarantino is surprisingly subdued in this movie, like his Dialogue is not as over the top or ridiculous as it sometimes gets. Um, you know, the the inappropriate language that I don't want the, the word I don't want to say does get used a lot, um, as it does in all Tarantino movies. But it's used in an appropriate fashion in this movie because this is a movie that's set just after the U.S. Civil War, um, mm. so it makes sense. And a lot of tension that exists between the characters in this movie exists because they were on opposing sides of that war and are now trying to live in the world together. Um, Yeah, so I enjoyed it quite a bit. It reminded me, the first two hours reminded me a little bit of uh, Reservoir Dogs, where it's just these guys kind of locked in a room, talking to each other, not really trusting each other, but not knowing how to deal with the situation. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, so... even had uh, Tim Rothen when he gets shot and he's laying there in a pool of his own blood and that gave me like warm fuzzy memories. Like, oh, I remember when this used to be a thing I watched regularly.
2: So... um, Yeah, I was kind of lukewarm on it when I saw it in the theater. I haven't watched it since. Um, It's a
3: long fucking movie. It is.
2: Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I just really was not into it as much as I had hoped out because I was really excited for it. Um... If anything, my takeaway from it has been has always been holy fuck, like Jennifer Jason Lee was awesome in this movie. Yes.
3: Yeah.
2: I don't it's not that I don't think she's a good actress. I always have. I just I was not expecting that character.
3: It's completely different for her. From anything I've seen
2: anyway. Yeah. She's fucking awesome.
3: Yeah, she's I really liked that. Like she's at one point for a while for maybe 20 minutes it's like she's locked in a stagecoach and it's her and sam jackson's character and uh russell Kurt russell sorry i don't know why i couldn't think of that name (laughs) but yeah so she's and she's holding her own in dialogue long drawn out dialogue scenes with kerr russell and samuel jackson and it's like Mm. jesus christ like that's an accomplishment if anything, it's like, it's almost like she's overshadowing Kurt Russell's character because they are constantly kind of fighting and you're sort of like, she's like, I'm on her side almost, even though she's the bad guy in this moment.
2: <laughs> yeah. So No, totally. I yeah. was, yeah, I loved her performance in this movie. Even, even though the movie didn't resonate super well with me, my takeaway was, holy shit, like she, she went like hundred percent in this movie and it fucking worked.
4: I did did think haven't seen it I
3: I, I will say it did suffer like if you think too much about it there's a lot of like these characters that just run into each other that know who each other are and you're Mm -hmm. thinking like did people know who each other like I don't know because I wasn't alive post American Civil War but like you you run into people and you just know who they are and it's like how is that that doesn't really make sense to me because you wouldn't know what the people who you'd never met look like, and you certainly wouldn't like, you wouldn't remember every person you met if you went to a war. So it seems strange to me that how many of the characters just oh I know you and it's like no oh, I don't think you probably would but maybe I'm wrong on yeah. that maybe that's just my impression and there's also a lot of like there's a few just Tarantino moments where he just had to insert his like. Over the top violence or whatever and you're like, Okay. I, I knew I knew who directed this movie coming in. I'm not surprised <laughs> to see that it wasn't necessarily needed for this movie, but okay.
2: Yeah. I just don't understand why they were touting it that it was shot in seventy millimeter. Because like the whole thing is contained in the in, it's an interesting in the cabin. Decision.
3: Yeah, it's an interesting decision to shoot it in seventy millimeter and then have it be primarily contained in once one scene. Yeah. Um I don't know. There were a number of shots that were just amazing. Like they would just be like a couple of characters there talking and you, the way it was framed and everything, it looked fantastic. I liked this cottage that they were all stuck in this sort of, it was like a old timey bed and breakfast kind of place. And I Mm -hmm. I liked it a lot. Um, I I even thought they did a good job of adding just enough humor to make it because it is a slow paced film to make it seem normal. Like the running joke is that the door to the place is broken. And so every whenever you come in, you've got to turn around and, like, nail it shut again. You, and you, then you've got to kick it open when you want to get back in or out. Yeah. And every, but it's hilarious because there's this blizzard going on. So every time somebody comes in, they start getting yelled at because they're like, close the door. you got to nail it shut. you got to use two boards to keep it nailed shut. But then as more and more people are inside, more and more people are yelling at the next person that comes in. And I thought that was, like, just a fun repeating joke that just until eventually, you know, you're – well, your nine main characters, which is weird because it's called The Hateful Eight, all end up in there. And you're like, wow, look at that. <laughs> now, <laughs> n- now everybody's inside and now there's, that joke's over. And it just went away and it didn't really come back. And I'm like, that's funny. <laughs> so I enjoyed it. Um, I can understand why seeing it in theaters might not have been the best experience. Three hours is a long time to sit in a movie theater.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I kind of had the watching it at home. I had the advantage of pausing it a few times and somebody came to the doorbell one at one point. And it's like, okay, yeah. those, those little breaks maybe made the film more enjoyable and it is broken up into chapters. So if you're watching it at home, you can just watch a couple of chapters, pause it, watch the rest of the next day or
1: something.
4: Yeah. I, t- I tend to not mind those three hour movies as long as they're exciting and engaging. It's fine. Hmm. But I feel like most movies that end up being three hours, for some reason, there's an hour and a half of exposition and shit that they just slather into that movie, and that's enough to make you blow your fucking brains out.
3: So you'd probably blow your brains out with this movie then, because that first, (laughs) I don't think the first gunshot is fired until like over an hour and a half into the
4: movie. Yeah, That, that, (laughs) that doesn't sound very... Appetizing
3: to <laughs> me. I, no, I, like I say, I was fully engaged in the movie throughout that, and maybe I would not have been if that dialogue had continued for three full hours. But there's a lot more shooting in the last hour.
4: How long? How, about, how long does it take for uh, someone to yell "motherfucker"?
2: Well, Sam Jackson's pretty much in the open, so not too long.
3: So I was I'm trying to think if he actually used the phrase, and I'd only watched the movie today, I so know. I think I'd remember. But I don't think he said motherfucker in this movie. He does give a very... There's a speech he gives about what he's done to somebody in the past, and it is very Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> like it's, If you read that speech, you'd be like, oh, Tarantino wrote this. Um, maybe I won't spoil it.
2: Nah, probably not a good idea. Although, yeah, but- personally, I wasn't a big fan of that speech, but... Yeah, I don't. Other people seem to enjoy it. So the only the only
3: thing that was interesting about that speech for me is I don't know if it's true or not. And I no, yeah, gotcha. And that's that's the interesting debate I have in my head now. That speech could have been a very different speech, and that question could still exist. But I like to think that it's not true because that makes the movie more fun for me. But
2: <laughs> Noah, could I sell you on this movie with? Kurt Russell with a pretty kick ass old timey mustache.
4: Uh, that sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll probably watch it eventually. It's just to be a hundred percent honest, and I know that I'm one of the people in the major uh, minority on this one, I'm not a big Quentin Tarantino fan. He's he's made movies that I really like. And then he's made a bunch of movies that I fucking hate. <laughs> like, so
1: I'm,
4: kinda, gotcha. I'm I'm on the fence with him sometimes I think he's just obnoxious
3: well, I think he's always obnoxious. It doesn't that's not a question of it. That's like saying he's pretentious, of course he is um that question is whether you enjoy watching the movie or not um and you just have to live with the fact that that character flaw is built into everything he does, yeah. All right. Anything else? Uh, last thing I watched was a documentary called I am Chris Farley, which is oh. obviously about the life of Chris Farley.
2: Yeah. I bought it on, comedian. I bought it on Blu-ray for $5, but I don't watch it yet.
1: Huh?
3: I watched it for free on whatever channel airs it. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what channel it aired it. So I can't tell you what channel I watched it on, but i ppr BBR didn't watch it. Um, it is is it it is one of those documentaries that's as much a tribute to him as it is the story and therefore it's maybe doesn't get into the dark side of him as much as one might yeah. be interested in doing but what's really interesting about this is even the people they have on that are describing like the the downside of Chris Farley being who Chris Farley was none of them seem to have anything negative to say about him like it's fascinating how much everybody who seems to have ever met this guy loved him and it it makes the story just feel like this like wonderful tragedy of this guy who just like there there was there must have been something wrong with him that made him constantly feel the need to make other people laugh and to constantly kind of be the center of attention and so much so that it his life of excess is essentially what killed him. And it's like this, this tragedy that it's just like, he just always felt like he had to be doing everything at 11 and Mm -hmm. it made him great at what he did. And it's like, I have, again, this comes back to the discussion we were just having, but I'm at the perfect age where I was like in high school when he was on SNL and it's like, yeah, like, that was the whole world talked about SNL back then. You had to watch it. Yeah. You just, what else were you going to talk to people about on Monday morning kind of thing? And it was just, he was just this big, over-the-top character and, like, everybody describes him as just, like, walk into the room and take over every time and there's, like, there doesn't seem to be any exceptions there. And it's really weird because you hear people talk about Saturday Night Live and they talk about how hard it is to work there because they all have to, like, write all week and then go and perform the skits that they've written if they make it onto the show or whatever and half them write write skits that don't make it on and several of them mentioned that like Farley just he didn't write he just showed up he wasn't really prepared and he just did his thing and it came out perfect and you're like how does that how can that happen and it's like it's to the point where like literally like the Matt Foley character that he created the motivational speaker like he literally came up, he named him Matt Foley because his buddy Matt Foley came to the show one night when he was like at Second City or whatever. And he's like, he's like on stage, sees his buddy in the crowd, and just names his character after his buddy on the spot. And it ends up being like this huge character. So they're like interviewing this guy, and he's like, yeah, it's a little weird to have been Matt Foley in a place where everybody (laughs) knew Chris Farley was from that town, right? Like, everybody, you know, and it's like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what you want me to say.
2: That's awesome.
3: So, yeah. It's it's fun, and
2: it's... The
4: Foley sketch that had Phil Hartman as the dad, and he introduces him by saying he's been in the basement chewing on raw coca leaves. (laughs)
3: This <laughs> is one of the greatest yeah. fucking things ever. Well, they, they interviewed the first time the Matt Foley character was on SNL. It was like Christina Applegate was the host, and they interview her in this documentary, and she's talking about how like it's the worst line delivery she's ever given in her life because she was just <laughs> trying not to break out and laughing the whole time. And so she's got this, like, one line that she's, she's like, it's the only joke I'm supposed to make in this entire skit, so I can't screw it up. And the whole time, and it's like, when then they show the clip, and you just see, like, David Spade is, like, supposed to be Christina Applegate's brother in the skit. And he's just sitting there like, with his hand over his face so that nobody can see that he's laughing out loud. And they and then they, they cut to an interview with him, and he's like, yeah, to top it all off, like, Farley would get in your face and then he would cross his eyes, so the audience couldn't see that he's doing this to you, but he's giving you this extra <laughs> little nudge, trying to force you to crack up.
2: Uh, yeah, I was going to say you mentioned how, like, back then, it was like, especially if you were in school, Jess, and now, you had to. Yeah. We, I had to do some presentation in French class, and I didn't even remember what the fuck it was about. But I remember me and this kid who was, who was a Husky fellow, I'll say, um, <laughs> came up and basically decided play sketch and just explain all the shit we're supposed to say in this in the sketch. It'll be funny. And so we literally just did a Matt Foley sketch for a presentation. I think being a travel agent, so trying to tell me all this stuff about like France or whatever, and then at the end just falling on a giant pile of boxes.
3: Fair enough. <laughs> I bet you I bet, yeah, everybody thought that was funny at that time.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we, now I want to watch that. I'm going to have to watch it this week.
3: Be, being our age, I guess, is just we hit this like perfect mark when it comes to Saturday Night Live where it's like you were finally old enough to be allowed to stay up to watch it just as it got great. Like <laughs> Just as that like Sandler and Farley yeah. and Spade and all those guys kind of came to fruition and Mike Myers and everybody else. Mm-mm. it's like holy shit
2: yeah i uh I, I, don't I, don't watched... know. I don't
3: i don't watch it now maybe it's great now but
2: it's, uh, it's okay now any... yeah it's Just, uh, it's
3: almost I like thought... the world's become so go ahead
2: i wasn't gonna say i watched because i because i like love snl from when i was growing up and stuff so i watched like all what they did a lot of those retrospective documentaries where it was just people from the cast like talking and then they would show clips from the sketches or whatever. Um and they did like all the way up through, I think right before right after Fallon left, maybe. Like that's the the entire history that they covered. Chris Rock essentially describes that time period as like we were the New York Yankees. There were so many heavy hitters, like in the cast, that every week was just like destroyed and yeah you just look at that lineup and you're like holy fuck like how could all these awesome people have been on the show at the same time
1: well yeah
3: back then too like every every weekend it seemed like the box office was the number one movie was a Saturday Night Live movie basically or care mm-hmm. people from the show yes.
1: yeah. that's, that's
3: another thing this documentary got into was like how Tommy Boy was almost autobiographical for for Chris Farley like it's it's weird like they talk about his relationship with his dad and then you see him and Brian Dennehy acting together and you're like oh like he he is acting like he, that's his dad and his dad did try to make him get into sales that was a whole thing and there's all the and it's right down to the fact that like he did when he was in college he did like play rugby and the Rugby colors that he's wearing in Tommy Boy are the same. It's the same colors that he actually wore on his real rugby team. I'm like, they don't even mention that, but they show the two clips, and I'm like, well, he's wearing the same shirt. Like, that's weird, right?
1: <laughs> like, it's, uh,
3: so it obviously must have. He must have realized he was making a movie that reflected back on his own life.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, if like you're... SNL now. I was gonna say like SNL now. There's like a a skit like every three episodes that will make you just guffaw laughing. Which is kind of sad. But, you know, I still really enjoy SNL. I enjoy some of the people on it. So I still watch every week. But yeah, it's not like hit after hit like it used to be, unfortunately.
3: And I just don't think culturally everything is so much more subdivided now. And people don't watch stuff on a schedule anymore. They watch it PVRs or whatever, so you're not going to watch it every Saturday night. You know, mm. I, I, I just don't think anything will ever be like that again. And that's not not necessarily a bad thing overall. It's just from that perspective, nothing else will have that cultural impact that things like that had, where everybody stayed home to watch a TV show. Yeah. To the point where yeah. it was it sort the, of like
4: the the worst thing is that because of the uh, the DVR culture now, you just skip. The skits with the actors that you're not a particular fan of, so you don't even know if they were funny or not. You
3: know, I hadn't even thought of that. That makes sense. That you wouldn't even watch the whole show now.
2: Yeah, yeah I still watch the whole show, but yeah. uh, usually, like, because Amanda could so- sometimes take or leave SNL itself. And if I think there's like a skit that she would find really funny, like I'll save it and just show it to her the next day, and she'll laugh, and then. The TBR. Uh, anything else you want to talk about?
3: No, that's all I got to watch this week.
2: All right. Noah's turn.
3: <laughs> he said disappointedly. <laughs>
4: well, uh, I, I am working on a
2: playthrough of the
4: original series of Star Trek. I think I'm on like most of the way through the first season. Those seasons were long as shit. I forgot how long they were. Yeah. Uh,
1: TV used so awesome.
2: to be fucking enormous.
4: Yeah. I was, I was trying to figure it out. I figured I was in the middle of season two, and then I looked at the thing, and I was like, I'm still in season one. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> but, like, last night I just caught up to the gorn. Lo- I love me some gorn. So that... that uh, and I feel like the older I get, the more I appreciate Star Trek, the original series. Like, it's gone from just being campy to now I'm actually like, oh, I kind of appreciate what they were doing here. These these effects yeah. are cheesy, but I bet whenever this was fucking done back then, it was awesome.
1: Yeah, uh, I was so,
2: never a huge Star Trek fan. Oh, I love, I love Generation. Star Trek. Just because, as the old man would say, we only had three channels back then, so you just watched what was on.
4: Yeah. But,
2: plus, plus yeah, you got to see
4: Diana Troy's Cleavage in every episode, so that worked out.
2: Well, there is that, yes.
4: Uh, so, so I did that, and then I fell into a very deep zombie hole. <laughs> so oh, Jesus.
3: This is a dangerous hole to go down.
4: Oh, my God. It's so deep. Uh, luckily, I ran out of movies that I own and had immediate access to, and I'm trying not to spend money right now, so I couldn't get as buck wild as, as I could have. But So I watched Night of the Living Dead, and then I watched Dawn of the Dead, and then I watched Day of the Dead, and then I watched the Savini remake of uh, Night of the Living Dead. And then I watched uh, Fulci's Zombie, and then I watched Nightmare City, and then I watched... Uh, Return of the Living Dead, and this is where it could have really got out of control. But luckily, I don't own all of the Return
2: of the Living Dead movies. Yeah, that's probably for the best. Yeah,
3: yeah so we, I only want watched... to be discussing Rave from the Grave right now. That wouldn't be helping anybody.
2: Yeah,
4: yeah. No. So I only watched the two that I own, which is the first one and the third one.
2: Oh, wow. okay. those are good choices.
4: Yeah. I like the second one, too. I just don't own it for some reason. I just never picked it up.
2: I used to watch part three was on cable a lot when I was younger. So I watched that one a lot because I was right at the perfect age where it's like, she's a zombie. She still has her boobs out. This is like the
4: best movie ever. It's it's a titty zombie with weird spiky things. And I can't, you know what the weird one is? I can't remember the fourth one. What's the fourth one?
2: Uh, Necropolis.
4: Okay, is that is that's where it starts getting weird, right?
2: Uh, these Necropolis and Rave to the Grave were both shot back to back, with yeah. the same cast playing different characters.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: and they were yeah, fucking terrible. Yeah,
3: yeah and I so, never saw either of those. Ugh. I don't.
4: I don't need those. I I know I saw them at yeah. some point, but they were uninteresting enough that I can't remember anything about them. So that's that's typically a bad sign.
2: Yeah, yeah, we did them on Drunken Zombie, and we regretted everything past Part 3.
4: But, but I mean, that was pretty much it. Uh, Night of the Living Dead is still awesome. Dawn of the Dead is still awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Day of the Dead is probably my favorite movie. It's still that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fulci Zombie, still fucking awesome. That pop scene is one of the best things that's ever happened in horror.
2: Uh, Hard to argue. You're
3: taking real controversial stances you're taking here on the <laughs> so
4: fan, series. Nightmare City, I'm not going to talk about because I think we're going to do Nightmare City on this show at some point. Probably. Because Nightmare City's fucking awesome. But, uh. Spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert. That's, that's not the part that's
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> surprising about that movie. Uh. And of course, the, the Return of the Living Dead movies, the good Return of the Living Dead movies, <laughs> are really fucking good.
2: Yeah, I picked up the uh, Return Especially of the, the Dead, 3, Dead Three uh, from uh, Vestron, the, the new Lionsgate boutique label. Oh, nice! And uh, it's pretty awesome.
4: Has it got some good uh, special features and stuff on huh? it?
2: Uh I mean they interview the actress, they talk a lot about the movie and stuff. Um, I mean they're not like the best features, but from what I remember, there's a pretty good uh selection on there. Um, it's interesting to hear the actors talk about you know being half naked and looking like she pushed stuff through her skin the whole movie. So
4: Right. So good. And, and the first one of course is arguably the best zombie movie ever made arguably but
2: I don't know if that's arguably I think that's just fact
4: and i'll see I'll still go Ramiro I think Ramiro made better movies I think the return series is just more fun if that makes sense oh for sure. Ramiro movies just kind of, especially the first three, are so fucking
1: bleak.
3: But yeah, I still think a... *The Living Dead* for me is just, yeah, movies ever made. Period. Yeah, it is. So I just—it's uh, hard to argue that anything is better than that, really.
2: So you guys plan on picking up the Criterion when it comes out? I want to. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Maybe no, I'll have money by then.
4: Yeah. I was gonna say that the the original the original Night of the Living Dead is flawless. It doesn't have a speck on it, and it that movie's fucking invincible.
1: Yeah. Uh
4: and then I watched Burial Ground, which I don't oh, know yeah. either if either of you guys have ever seen that. It's a fucking weird ass Italian zombie movie. And... Oh
2: no, I haven't seen that one. I thought you were talking about Dead and Buried. No, no,
4: no, no. I've
2: no. not seen that one. That's the Burial, Ground.
4: Burial Ground is most certainly going in our list of things to watch. Uh, this is my second watch through, and it is just as fucking it the second time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, uh, I'm not going to reveal any spoilers for that, uh, because I just want to see the look on you people's faces. You're gonna to send me. I, I need captures of videos of you guys watching this movie.
2: Because
4: <laughs> um, I, I will put it this way. I like really fucked up stuff and this movie has moments in it that even I go, oh, Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's it. I'm trying to think if I watched any more zombie stuff. I might have. But if Part I time. did, if I did, it was in the middle of the night. and Now he can't remember.
2: Um, all right, so I looked it up, and the Return of Living Dead Three Blu-ray has audio commentary with the director Brian Usna. audio commentary with the t- with the the main actress and special effects supervisor, uh, featurette talking with the director and the screenwriter about the movie. Uh, interview with the actress, interview with the lead actor, uh interview with the production executive which sounds like that would be boring but is actually kind of interesting talking about how they got the rights to the and stuff. And then uh discussing spe- discuss- discussing special effects makeup's with uh Steve Johnson who uh you know is a super famous mm makeup design person, who I think, if I remember correctly, admits to doing a lot of drugs during this movie, so that's why some of the effects are kind of fucked up. Nice.
4: Yeah. The third one, I I think the thing I respect the most about the third one is so basically what Return of the Living Dead did is just completely throws all the zombie movie shit out the window and go, okay, let's let's do something different. Mm -hmm. The second one arguably just kind of does the same thing that the first one did, just bigger but the third one they basically did the exact same thing that the first one did and they go, okay, well yeah, we get it, you know, brains it hurts to be dead uh, let's do something completely fucking different
2: yeah and then uh, four and five, they completely shit the bed so, oh my god <laughs> Which sucks, because "Raved to the Grave sounds like a good idea of using the trioxin as like a party drug.
1: Mm.
2: But it's yeah, fucking horrible. It's just god-awful.
3: Didn't those debut on Sci-Fi Channel?
2: Possibly. Yeah,
3: I can't even remember. Um, I remember just deciding not to watch them and being sad about it when I did.
2: Uh, I do remember seeing an auction up on eBay for either Part 4 or Part 5 that you could bid and buy the rights to Part 4 or Part 5, whichever one it was, and a 35 millimeter print. And I think they were selling it for like $10,000. Jesus. That's how sad and I don't think anybody bought it. That's how bad it was.
4: Yeah, on what planet is that worth $10,000?
2: Uh, none.
4: If it was if it was fifteen dollars, I would <laughs> contemplate it just so I could say that I owned the rights to a movie.
3: I I would buy the rights to that movie for fifteen dollars sight unseen.
4: Would you see even I I think even at fifteen dollars I would go, okay. That is that is a cheeseburger at red robin. Or oh, the rights no. to rave to the grave. And that cheeseburger is <laughs> really good.
3: <laughs> you got to figure at some point, though, you can resell the right story for the grave for 20 bucks to somebody.
2: <laughs> yeah, let's go to a horror convention. Be like, hey, you want the rights to return living dead? I yeah. Think
4: that's, I think that's a, a terrible, terrible investment.
2: Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah. Um, All right. So, uh, I only got two quick ones. Um, I went to the theater and saw three billboards outside uh, Emmington, Wyoming, or whatever the full title is. Uh, Nothing really to discuss super deep on here, because it was a pretty drama-heavy movie. Uh, Really good, though. Really enjoyed it. Um, Completely agree that Sam Rockwell did a super amazing job since he won a Golden Globe for it last week. Um, If you get a chance to see it, I would say go see it.
4: The only thing I've seen about it is people bitching about how it parts of it paint uh, people in a very bad racist light.
2: Oh, you mean people from Wyoming who might be racist? Well, yeah, town?
4: that's what I said. I was like, oh my god, racist people in a small town. That's yeah. not accurate to life at all. <laughs> yeah.
3: This is the new thing where racist people get offended if you call them racist. And it's like, well, don't be racist then. Yeah. You don't like getting called racist. Don't be racist
2: there's no actual like racial stuff like that happens in the movie Sam Rockwell's character before the movie even starts apparently um it was alleged that he tortured and um beat like a black guy because he's a cop that they had in their jail and he denies it the entire movie and then uh to get under his skin the Francis McDormand at one point ask how the N word beating business was to which Sam Rockwell like gets pissed about it. And that's literally it. So I don't know. Yeah. People would be crazy. I'm just saying I heard a
4: person in a small town say one time, I'm not racist. I don't give a shit about N words.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Equivalent of, of what it was in this movie, so um, so tell people to stop being dumb. Yeah, it, it's I it feels like it's very realistic to the setting of the movie, so
4: I'm but sure I'll see it come. at some point. I, I fucking love Sam Rockwell, so
2: yeah, it's really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and then the other movie, based on a recommendation from Noah a while ago. Um, I checked out The Foreigner with Jackie Chan. End up watching this?
4: Uh, I, I haven't actually seen it yet. <laughs> Just recommend it <laughs> to you. Well, <laughs> I, I showed him the uh, the trailer yeah. before the movie was out.
2: Yeah, this was before the movie was out. He's like, dude, you should check out this trailer. It looks fucking awesome. Um, you ever heard of this movie, Doug?
3: I have heard of it. It didn't seem like something that would appeal to me, so I never really thought much about it.
2: Well, I thought it was interesting because it looked like, um, I called it uh, Death Wish with Jackie Chan, which is not 100% correct. It's more of just like a revenge movie with Jackie Chan doing like Jason Bourne type stuff. Okay. Somewhat, uh, but more, a little bit more. I don't want to say the word realistic because it's Jackie Chan. So, of course, the fight scenes are crazy and all over the place, but um, it was just a little bit more toned down than what we're used to seeing from him, a little bit more dramatic. So, I thought it looked. Did you ever see the movie Harry Brown? Yeah, I love that movie. It seemed like a, almost like a version of that with Jackie Chan. Interesting. So, I was yeah, so I was intrigued. There's like a uh, a bombing in London and his daughter gets killed in it and he's like sitting in the car outside waiting for her. um and he gets really pissed because apparently a group called the authentic ira takes a claim for it okay and he he knows like this ambassador guy who would would know like who to talk to because apparently he had ties to the original ira back in the day but is you know went to prison came out and is now like a politician and he's played by pierce brosnan So it's Jackie Chan like trying to get him to help him find the people who killed his daughter and Pierce Brosnan keeps saying he doesn't know anything and him. So he just starts harassing this guy by blowing shit up at his house all the time to get him to help him. Um, That's a good
3: way to get someone to help you.
2: So he's essentially going after Pierce Brosnan because he will not give up the people who killed his daughter. So I was super, like, interested in it. Um, first, I want to say half of the movie. But then for, like, a third of the movie, Jackie Chan just disappears. And it more becomes about, about politics with uh, Ireland and England with Pierce Brosnan, like, in the middle of it since he, you know, used to be in the IRA or whatever. And then people like stabbing each other in the back within his administration or group or whatever you want to call it. And that's when like completely lost me and I got really bored with it. Which really bummed me out because I was kind of excited for it. So
4: that's very disappointing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because I literally almost forgot that Jackie Chan was in the movie after a little bit. And I was like Oh shit! That's right. He just came stumbling out of the woods and just blew up his car. Like I completely forgot that he was still like this thing. So yeah. So bummed. Uh, you know, was hoping it was better based off the trailer, but uh, didn't play out well. well
3: that's unfortunate. Glad you took the bullet for the rest of us, so we don't have yeah. to sit through
2: it now. Though. Yeah. And I even rented it. Like, I paid to watch it. Funny yeah.
3: yeah. That is the beauty of Netflix. You're, when, you, when something disappoints you, you're <laughs> not as disappointed. I was, like, oh, I, was, well.
4: I was getting ready to say, I was kind of excited for a gritty, old, angry Jackie Chan.
2: I know, so was I. He fought in Vietnam, so he was, like, you know, he knew his shit, too. So, it's just like, oh, shit, this is going to be awesome. 'Cause he's like improvising bombs and shit, like putting kerosene in soda bottles and setting up a string and with a cigarette so that it when it burns, like, you know, it'll burn the string and the whole thing'll fall and gas will go everywhere. And it was fucking like that stuff was pretty awesome, and then it just got really boring by the end. Weird. Unfortunately.
4: I feel like that's false advertising. You can't you can't offer me gritty old Jackie Chan and then give me political thriller
2: yeah yep it was dumb at least the last half of it was so watch the first half and be like alright well I'm just going to pretend he killed everybody and uh, shut this off now
3: huh. <laughs> interesting version of a recommendation
2: yeah um, so something that, so we're so used to not to having that I forgot to bring it up before we talked about all the stuff we watched but we actually have a couple pieces of listener mail
3: yeah I was wondering if we were going to get to that
2: yeah, usually I do that before uh what else we watched, but I completely forgot about it. Too busy uh hoping to get to uh Noah's Noah's uh zombie movie addiction.
4: <laughs> like I said, I'm pretty sure there there may or may not be up to seven more <laughs> movies that I just like aren't sticking in
1: my head right now.
2: <laughs> uh all right, so the first one we got was from Trevor says, hey, guys, I've been lazy, so I haven't written in a while. I think the last time I wrote in, it was still the last horror cast. That has been a while. Um, I've been quite enjoying the show, though, so I thought I would take a moment to commend your knack for picking incredibly awkward cover art. Nothing like coming back to work after lunch and trying to pause the podcast while making sure nobody sees John Saxon sucking on some toes.
1: <laughs>
2: and or disturbing work, Trevor. <laughs> yeah i don't know if a lot of people notice this i put i embed like cover art into the audio file so it should show up in your podcatcher when you're when you're uh listening to it but it'll be i try to find the weirdest shit from one of the movies that we watched and so like last last week was john saxon sucking on some toes robot jocks was the uh butt shot from the girl waiting in line to get in the shower yeah, I already have this one. This week's picked out. So look down at your phone right now and see what it is. That's hilarious. Yeah. I did not
3: know you. By the way, you, like the other hosts did not know you were doing that. That's just Daryl. your own little joke. You were just playing, and yeah. it's like I'm I'm really glad because I was listening to them through a, a player that didn't provide me with the, the uh, <laughs>
1: and
3: so I'd, I'd pause the podcast, I'd get nothing, and now I'm disappointed.
2: Yeah. I'm surprised it took this long before anybody like said anything.
3: It's really funny. I'm glad that we've been pranking all of our <laughs> listeners. I'm just wondering how many episodes
4: ended up being a penis that's,
3: it's got to be a lot of
4: there's been a lot of penis movies
2: um, for the well, I will say for the Punisher episode, of course, it's the shot of uh Dolph London like kneeling naked on the floor. <laughs> Um. yeah but I always try to make it something from one of the movies and sometimes some of the movies there's nothing super weird so those are kind of boring but
3: what movies have we done on this yeah. show that didn't have anything super weird in them <laughs>
2: <laughs> well uh, Santa's sleigh
1: women.
2: yeah Santa's sleigh and um, better watch out didn't have anything like was nothing super weird in Santa's insane sleigh. Sleigh.
3: you thought Santa's yeah. sleigh was well, I mean, just nothing... a nice normal Christmas movie
2: well, I guess I could have taken something from the strip club, I guess. I didn't really that think about been, that. That
3: would have been the thing to do.
2: Uh, should've, you
3: should um, yeah. the stripper pole.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I wonder if I can see what the cover art is on these. Yeah, I'll look at them later. Um, and then we got one more from our good buddy, Terre kent who we should mention, uh was one of two people who showed up to play Friday thirteenth with us last weekend.
3: Really? You guys got three and people fun with to play? Well,
2: well there's me, Noah, and then two other people. Oh, okay. Well, and which, then...
3: Is that what is considered a good number of people for that game? Right. Well, no, that's
2: half. That's game. half the lobby.
3: Oh, okay.
4: Which we had nine Absolutely. people signed up, so a lot of people are on some bullshit.
2: Yes. <sighs> Yeah, Frank showed up, and then Tarho Kent showed up, and then we had to invite a bunch of randos to come in and fill out the rest of the lobby.
3: Did you at least use it as an excuse to sell the podcast to the randos? Maybe, maybe the pro- maybe no, the the were... right now
2: squeakers. A lot of them really, really annoying children who sounded like they were like twelve, Uh-oh. and I was just like, I don't want you like <laughs> writing in or calling it. I think, seriously, one of them had to go to bed at some point during the gaming and just randomly (laughs) signed out in the middle of the match.
3: Well, that's what happens when Ah. you go online and you don't get to pick and choose.
2: Exactly. Um, But, yeah, I had a good time. Hopefully we get a bigger group next time. Listeners. Bunch of jerks saying you're going to show up. Didn't show up. Uh, But Tara Hill Kent calls in to or writes in to confirm one of Noah's uh, diagnoses. Um. So Kent says, "You know what's good? You know, you know what's good. Hellraiser. You know what is not. The majority of the sequels. The completionist contagion is spreading. Why? No. Why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you watched part three, Kent.
4: Oh, the, oh, part three is most certainly not the worst part of that string of movies."
2: Uh, I didn't. I said the past part of three.
4: Oh, well. Th- first of all, I've got a little bit of a soft spot for four.
2: Just because part of it takes place in space doesn't mean it's good.
3: It <laughs> <laughs> feels like it's early in a series to be going to space. Okay,
2: I. D- well, eh, Leprechaun Four was in space.
4: Yeah, yep. I think all of the in spaces were four,
2: except for Jason X.
4: Yeah. <clears throat> But, uh,
2: yeah, defend Part Four, come on. I
4: don't. I, I just. I don't think it's a terrible movie. I don't. I don't think it's the best horror movie, which is the reason why it's so derided against. Uh, you know, one and two, which are two of the best horror movies ever made.
2: Yeah, but the first two are pretty awesome.
4: But I think as a. As a movie in and of itself, it's enjoyable, and the plot makes sense. It's all right. I mean, it's Are weird. You? It's weird anthology style storytelling was a little
1: odd.
3: Hmm. I'm going to say something controversial now.
1: Oh,
3: I actually don't think Hellraiser holds up very well.
1: Oh, you shut your
4: whore mouth. <laughs> I think.
3: Look a lot of the story elements are good. Obviously Doug Bradley's performance is amazing. But overall I don't think the film holds up that well, and I think it is ripe for a remake. I hope whoever does the remake eventually it's put in the right hands.
1: Uh, I
4: I have never disagreed with you more strongly about
2: anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, it's been the last episode of the Midnight drive
4: No, No, seriously. Like I said, I, I think Hellraiser 1 and 2 are two of the best. The best. Like, if there were a top 10 horror movies ever, they're both in the list.
3: Yeah, I, I think that maybe if you'd made that list when they were new films, I would agree with you. I just don't think that they've, they've stood the test of time.
4: I see. I just don't... I still don't get it. I, what, what about them doesn't hold up?
3: It's mainly an atmosphere problem, I think. And it's also the fact that they were a little over-ambitious with their special effects, and so some of the scenes come across as cheesy. When... Normally I can forgive sp- bad special effects, but it's like they tried to do things that they weren't ready to do yet. And it just... But, I don't know. Pulls pulls me out of the movie on rewatch.
4: But what special effect is bad?
3: I'm trying to remember because I haven't...
4: I was going to say, I still don't understand. It's
3: been, it's been a little while since I watched him. It's not the scene where, like, the guy in the, in the attic is Frank that's... he's kind of reforming. That's amazing.
4: I mean, the um, the, the energy is the old... Uh, what, what's it called? Cell painting. Which, that's, that's pretty dated. But that's not their fault. That was just the limit of
3: technology. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I haven't watched it in a while because... I just don't want to, um, but yeah, that's. I, I remember being very excited when it came available on DVD, and I got really wanted to rewatch it and rewatching it and kind of going meh, which is really disappointing to me. I think it. Mm. I, I really just that's, I mean, that's disappointing I mean, to everyone. It's, <laughs> but it, again, it's a lot of it is. I feel like it's very set in its time which is not usually a problem for me but the atmosphere I think it's just I'm not engaged in the movie when I watch it.
2: Mm. When again, was the last like, time you watched it?
3: It's probably been a couple of years. Mm. I would say like yeah like again I would always point to if pinheads on screen I mean I I'm watching it I'm loving it the some of the gore scenes hold up pretty well. Get Guy up in the attic, they're kind of reforming. And but I don't really care about most of the characters. I don't I, I don't get sucked into the movie the way other people seem to. So. Hmm. So we should get a lot more feedback next week because when you say <laughs> stuff like this, the listeners go nuts. I
4: I just I don't I don't understand a word you just said.
2: <laughs> so maybe maybe Doug needs some homework I, to rewatch Hellraiser.
4: I got I got dizzy. I think I blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I can I can understand not liking any other ones in the series. Like like I said, I I personally don't think four is all that bad, but I understand why other people don't like it. I also I think. I, I was gonna say I do think the series almost comes back around a little bit uh once you get real deep into the shit. Because <laughs> the uh I'm I'm trying to think of what it was called, uh Hellworld, I think is what it's called, the one that has Lance Hendrickson in it.
2: Mm-hmm. that one's terrible.
4: Really? See, I almost think it's it's almost all it's it's not a good Hellraiser movie. But it is a decent C-grade shit horror movie, which is what it is. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah, I've I've seen every sequel, most of them only once. Um, after about part two or three, and I found almost all of them were like, okay, that was an okay one-time watch. I'm not gonna buy a Hellraiser box set mm-hmm. and go back and rewatch all those movies because they're just not. Yeah quite good enough to justify my time.
2: I never went past part five, so.
4: What's the, uh, what what was the one called where it was basically the reboot?
3: Oh, with like the had a bit of found footage element to it, that one?
4: Uh, maybe. It's the one where Pinhead got the redesign and he looks a little bit different.
2: Oh, Fat Pinhead? Uh, Not Doug Bradley? Uh,
4: maybe, yeah. Uh,
2: I don't know. That's the one where they made just to keep the rights.
4: Yeah, because that that was an abortion of a film. It was...
3: <laughs> that, that was terrible. The thing with that yeah. one, too, is like, if I remember it correctly, there's like an opening scene that's actually okay, and I think that's the found footage stuff I'm talking about. And so you watch it, and you're like, oh, they made like a real movie, and you get excited. And then, no, they didn't. They made some like little micro-budget piece of garbage that they just it was made for rights purposes it never should have been released you made it for your rights purposes, yeah. you've done your job put it on a shelf somewhere make it a bonus feature on some future DVD so that people are like, look at this piece of shit we made when we had to keep the rights but it never should have been released as a real movie, because it, yeah. wasn't a real movie. it was It was some next level garbage and that's coming from us, look at the shit we do recommend <laughs> yeah <laughs>
4: Like I said, I'll always have there's a difference between a movie that was made and it happened to be bad and and a movie that was made with poor intentions that ends up being bad. I think if you add those poor intentions, it tends to just alienate. Especially people like me who that that Franchise, I've got, I've got some attachment to it. Like, just, just Clyde <laughs> Barker in general too. I'll defend fucking anything Clyde Barker touches. I don't, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I, I think that guy's a fucking genius.
2: <laughs> oh. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. Like those people just roving around, like fuck Clyde Barker. Well, no, I mean, I, just, you, I, I know
4: a lot of people that don't like fucking Nightbreed, and you can go suck a dick and die if you don't like Nightbreed. Like Nightbreed's <laughs> fucking amazing. You need to you you got to get back
3: to work, man. You, got, you get too angry over this shit. <laughs> uh, what
2: do you think Just about Nightbreed, Doug?
3: I, I do like Nightbreed. Okay.
2: I, <laughs> 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 As you <laughs> Um,
4: And Lord of <laughs> Illusions? Lord of yeah. Illusions awesome.
3: Lord of Illusions is good. I haven't seen it in a long time. Can't say too much about it, but remember enjoying it. I did go see Clive Barker speak once, and it was fascinating to listen to him. It was just like he spoke in these like lengthy paragraph type way of speaking that just – and he would speak about like this collective consciousness that he thinks we all have. And I'm just like – I was flabbergasted by the way. I think that, I think that guy's a genius. Yeah.
4: That, I, I, I always thought the most interesting thing about listening to him speak is uh, if, if you've read a bunch of his books before listening to him speak, you do not expect that voice. <laughs> because he's kind of he's got that the, kind of like a raspy effeminate voice, yeah. It, it, it's just odd. I don't you ex, you kind of expect this gruff, you know, uh, and, and then he stabbed her to death with his dick knives, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, make sure to uh, email everything and I drive in at gmail.com put Doug Sucks in the subject line Sure to make sure Doug uh, sees them and reads them all next week
3: <laughs> that'll, that'll be my part my my uh, contribution to the show next week is just reading all the negative feedback about me
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> it'll be good
4: uh, I don't think anyone will hate you for having terrible no. tea.
1: I Except for oh. me you piece of shit <laughs> 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 I mean, yeah, nobody,
2: nobody will, nobody will hate you for having terrible taste. I mean, we keep Noah around, so exactly. <laughs> I'm
4: like a lightning rod. I should be getting all sorts of hate mail.
1: <laughs> uh,
4: I nice. think the funny thing is, you you think I would be the one getting hate mail, and instead, I'm the one getting like personal messages, to people asking for movie recommendations. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Uh, Which is weird.
3: I guess there's a lot of, like, masochism out there in the world that we don't see. It's all a little bit underground.
4: I think, I think it's a cultural thing. There are a lot of people like me that really enjoy a bad movie.
3: <laughs> there's a lot of people who enjoy inflicting pain upon themselves. That's true. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future.
2: All right, Noah. Uh, why don't you tell us what we're doing for next episode? Uh,
4: so next episode, we decided that all the rapiness in these two movies uh, wasn't enough. So <laughs> we wanted to really ramp that up to the next level. So we're going to do Deathstalker, which is quite possibly the rapiest movie of all time. Oh shit! And, and your. Uh what's the full title of your, your warrior of the future or something Hunter, like that? Hunter from
3: Hunter the, future. Hunter the future. Hunter yeah. from
1: the future, yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. So okay. I've never seen either of these things and I was not informed that we we're gonna be going rapey next week, yes. Oh but my <laughs> god.
2: I didn't <laughs> no, know it was not... rapey either, so
3: Oh my god, death death stalker is
4: awkward. <laughs> 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 Awkward's a good fucking way to say it. Oh, uh, great. I do believe that movie starts with uh, a group of guys are getting ready to rape a woman and Deathstalker swoops in and fights them off and saves the woman and instead of untying her, decides that he's now going to rape the woman (laughs) and gets distracted and she escapes.
3: I don't even know where to begin with what's wrong with everything you just said the guy's name is death stalker (laughs) yes that's that's already a problem
2: and by the way there's more than one of these oh yes isn't there like four or something
3: yeah
4: we've got death stalker for days
2: lord
3: don't we have a feldman movie to get to
2: <laughs> oh, well, he hasn't <laughs> named another abuser yet, so we gotta hold off,
3: <laughs> so
4: so help me God, I'm gonna bury it. I'm gonna keep adding things to that list <laughs> to push that fucking movie off so far. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Good Lord. what Feldman's up to right now.
1: I don't probably
4: talking to his creepy uh, cult girlfriends and
1: <laughs>
4: making them update their contracts.
2: <laughs> you think he just watches, like, movies? Some of his old movies and makes them sit and watch it with him?
4: I don't know. <laughs> all I can imagine is him walking into the bedroom and all they want to do is sleep. And instead, he's wearing like just skibbies and a rhinestone glove, and he sings the entire uh, "Smooth Criminal"
1: song. <laughs> <laughs> Makes no attempt
3: to have sex with him. Just
1: you've been back.
3: I assume he would do one of his original pieces. He wouldn't. I don't think no. he's a cover artist kind of guy. Oh, I think
4: he. I think he is for MJ because <laughs> he's fucking weird.
2: Yeah. So does he have... <laughs> so does he have the jacket on, too? Like, not buttoned in the front, but, you know, just on. Possibly.
3: I think the red leather with, like, all the zippers, yeah. That's what we're talking
2: about. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> yeah. But the. Uh, but it's not the one where it's, like, pushed up. It's, like, the sleeveless, like, vest version.
3: Well, as somebody who owned one of those jackets in the 80s, I can confirm that... The only two zippers that did anything were the ones that took the sleeves on and off. So you're talking about the same jacket.
2: Do you think <laughs> he has a little
4: or... a little bolt on the back of his head attached to his skin that you just like twist to tighten his skin? <laughs> like take the wrinkles out, like some kind of sci-fi
2: thing.
3: I feel like you've never seen uh, what was that movie called? Brazil? No. What was the movie called that we did on last forecast with Corey's? Blown away. Uh, blown away, yeah, because if you see the if you see the ponytail he's got in that, he doesn't need a special bolt.
1: <laughs> he's just
3: pulling his hair back tight enough to fully drag the skin along with it.
4: i just saying, he looks like he fell face first into a box filled with Botox syringes.
1: <laughs>
2: like his lips don't even move. The only thing that moves is his jaw when he talks. Yeah.
4: yeah just complete facial paralysis
2: <laughs> so fucking weird please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater
0: and now folks it's time to say goodnight. we sincerely appreciate
2: your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment